It's movie time. Happen to have a couple reviews right here. Let's see. Uh, Roger Ebert from the Chicago Sun Times calls it a depressing slog through recycled comic formulas. Those who laugh at UHF should inspire our admiration. In these dreary times, we must treasure the easily amused. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. It's the Movie Time Podcast from your pals over at Pop Zara. That's right, the Pop Zara pals have a movie podcast. It's called Movie Time. It's all circular logic. This is your host, Nathan Evans, managing editor of PopZara.com, back once again. And that special, special voice in the background of your mind is none other than my co-host, Ethan Brem. Ethan, welcome back. How's it going? So, reviews. Do they matter? Mm, yeah. Do they matter? I mean, I know you write reviews and I'm kind of pooping all over your, your industry, but do they really do, do you <laughs> they, matter? They matter to... They serve a purpose, I should say. How much of that is confirmation bias, you think? A oh, um, probably about 80%. I like to, when I write a review, I like to also kind of analyze more than even critique, um, if that makes sense. And then you get a movie like UHF. <laughs> then you get yep. UHF, 1989's UHF, uh, starring none other than the great Weird Al himself, Weird Al Yankovic, critically reviled at the time, box office turd, left for dead. And then something happened. And so let, we're going to talk about it. This podcast today is all about Weird Al. Ethan is your dealer's choice this time, so I will say we are going to be talking about 1989's UHF, and we're going to be talking about 2022's Weird the Al Yankovic Story. <laughs> Full disclosure, we totally totally picked this because the movie just came out. So, yeah, we, yeah. we had talked about doing UHF in the past, though. I will say this, though. Um, no one's going to get this until a future episode comes out. A little Easter egg for you, but... The, the pair of movies you and I were going to do, which we will probably do next time. Oh, it's weird. Are, are both weird, but it turns out there's a connection I know, with that's UHF. What I know. I thought that I saw the credits when I watched this movie and I was uh -huh. like, no way. I didn't even realize it. I did not either. But I will say this. Let's give the audience a Easter egg hint. You know what that is? I'll just say this. Large Marge. Is that I right? thought that too when I saw it. I said that looks like Large Marge, yeah. like the just the style of it. And no, that doesn't mean Pee Wee Herman. Although technically it kind of does because Pee Wee Herman's <laughs> in one of these things. So I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, let's start off. Uh, let's go back to the 80s. Let's go back to excess and Reaganomics and let's go back to pre-war. Let's go back to when Hawaiian shirts were cool. So let's start it off. Ethan, your pick for UHF. What's going on? Oh, yeah. So UHF came out in 1989, directed by, um, uh, geez, I had it up. The dude, I've never even heard of this guy before. Yeah. Um, uh, it rhymes with Way Weavy. Yeah, Jay Levy, right? Is that it? Well, that does rhyme with Way Weavy. Yeah, you're right. Okay, well, so, there you go. Woo. So UHF is about, I think it's about a dreamer um, named George <laughs> Newman who continuously gets fired from his minimum wage jobs, but then gets the opportunity to run a small local, if you remember, UHF mm -hmm. TV station, um, ultra high frequency, which was, I think, like a small, was it above, um, like, the standard dial? Um, if you had those old kid, dials? Kids today have it too easy with all the streaming stuff. But back in the day, you actually had to twist and turn your TV dial. Actually, yeah, first of all, your TV had a dial. Yeah. And all that spectrum had radio waves and UHF was uh, on that very very narrow band I think it was local radio I'm sorry I think it was local um like local programming only like what else can we say like 
the closest approximation would be like what Wayne's World. That yeah, thing. exactly, exactly. Yeah, Wayne's World, and well, I'll get to that too. Um, so anyway, yeah, so he gets his uncle wins the rights. It's all very uh, <laughs> contrived, but in a, in the best way possible. He wins in a poker game the rights to this T- UHS UHF TV station. He doesn't want it. He's like, what is this station? This station, all they do is play like Mr. Ed and Looney Tunes reruns. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, he gives, no, there's not. But he gives it to his, I guess, nephew, who's George Newman, played by Weird Al. He gets to the station and it's like dead. There's a guy doing science experiments in the closet. <laughs> there, There's a secretary for no reason. Um, and George decides eventually to create his own shows. And he makes these super low budget like uh howdy doody i don't know if you ever saw it It was andy's playhouse andy oh yeah like a little uh spinoff of that um it kind of reminded me of that now there's a local network station run by kevin mccarthy's character uh rj something rather you hold on hold on i gotta correct you the great kevin mccarthy the great kevin mccarthy yeah yeah yeah. i mean um invasion of the body snatchers is one of my favorite movies the original invasion of body snatchers but anyway so kevin mccarthy's character is the villain here he ends up getting becoming threatened, feeling threatened by the success of UH, UHF Network, which channel 62 was it? Because UHF is pleasing to the people. It's what the people want. It's not network. It's not, you know, um, formulaic or this whatever. Is, um, this is really a remake of Norma Ray because he comes in and unionizes, basically, gives a gives the TV <laughs> station back to the people. Fewer Oscars than Norma Ray. Yeah, no Oscar. Well, there is like a fake Oscar in the movie. Yeah, but... <laughs> a, couple, a couple of them, actually. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what. First, b- before we <laughs> dig into the movie super hardcore, what, what is your uh, maybe history oh. with, Weird, with Weird Al? Well, I'm, I'm a lot older than you. I'm like from the 1880s, but so, yeah. so Weird Al was like new to me. No, um, I'm a child of the 80s, of course, and I think a lot of this has to do like we use the word nostalgia, and I think we need to like set up a roadblock for that real quick because. If you grew up in the 1980s, then you are familiar with Weird Al. If you grew up in the 90s, you're probably familiar with Weird Al. If you grew up in the 2010s or the aughts, you most likely know Weird Al. If you've been alive in the last 15 years, you probably heard of Weird Al. Like, he's always been there. He's been a constant because he's a chameleon. But like the best chameleons, he adapts. He beca- He's like tofu. He becomes whatever whatever's there because Weird Al is a very funny guy. And he's very, very talented. He's very funny, and he's a chameleon. He can blend in. He can mimic. He can do everything. Growing up with MTV, you've seen, you saw the spoofs. You saw Eat It. You saw, you know, you saw Fat. You saw all this. But for me, for me, the one that did it for me, and I didn't even know it at first, was Transformers the movie. And I got to tell you something. I can't believe how gratifying it's been to see that 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 movie has outlasted several others. (laughs) <laughs> only because hey it's Orson Welles last movie Let, you know, Leonard Nimoy's in it Eric Idle's in it Weird Al did a song the list goes on Weird Al is just funny like you you feel like he's your friend you feel like you want to hang out with him you want to do it and full disclosure Ethan I met him one time and yes. uh, yeah I met him at a concert when he was doing his Star like the 1990 Star Wars tour and uh, I forget I forget what the tour was but we saw him in the East Coast the Running With Scissors tour was that it? I also the... saw, I saw, I went to a show that, that tour as well. I have the shirt. Oh my God. And, and my friend who is a huge, mega, mega, mega Weird Al fan. And of course she's not alone, but we waited for two hours for his, you know, they kept coming out. Oh, he's not coming out, not coming out. A lot of people in line had rubber chickens and spatulas. And so eventually we get up there. My, my friend runs over, gives him a hug. Cause you could do that back then. This is before the, the disease. 
you know, in the old, in the good times. And then he looks at me and he goes, "And where's your rubber chicken?" <laughs> and so I said, "No, no rubber chicken." I just shook his hand. He's like, "And that that's it." And the guy behind Amazing. me had a rubber chicken. And so um, <laughs> he was really nice. He was really nice. And I got to tell you, uh, I tell this story a lot. His band, he tours with a really talented band. They came out. They knew the audience members. They keep track on the internet because Al was big on the internet before most people were. That's another thing. He's always ahead of the curve. I mean, what can you say about someone who writes songs about processed meat and ma- and can make you laugh? I mean, he deserves to be famous. And he's just the nicest guy in Hollywood. Very true. Has there ever been anyone who's dominated a, a space in any industry like Weird Al's dominated parody music? Well, I can't even think of anyone who's been this synonymous with an entire genre of anything. Well, it makes me wonder if what he really does is a parody, though, or or, yeah. or like, or what he does is more recreate something in his own image. In a way, he is a god. Weird Al is a god. He but, makes um, it cool. He he makes because he's talking about baloney or spam or I mean or Yoda or whatever. Yeah. But he's make it's so cool. Like he makes it. He brings like this cool factor to like the nerd community and. Well, I think he does it so well. And he did it before it was cachet. Now it's like a cool to be a nerd. But like he did it before it was cool to be a nerd. Well, he also, like I said, he was at the forefront. He was he took advantage of MTV music video. Yeah. He dabbled in comedy movies, and this movie shares a lot of um, DNA with the Zucker the Zucker Brothers. Yeah. I was yeah, I was thinking Kentucky yeah. Fried Movie. Kentucky Fried Movie. Um, in fact, there's a little cameo scene from uh, Robert Weiss, the producer of the Naked Gun movies. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's he play, he plays the bartender. And, um, yeah, he's in the movie, too. And it's just, there's an earnestness there. And that's why I wanted to, to start off with the Roger Ebert review. Because you and I both love Roger Ebert to death. Mm-hmm. And um, it's not that he's wrong. I don't think he's necessarily wrong. It's just that I think opinions about things change. And I think when you look at this, this is one of those things where, I'll just say this. Because we talk about nostalgia. We say to ourselves, we only like it because we grew up with it. And there's some truth to that. It's yeah. like, like grandma's cookies or mom's apple pie. But if something persists and it evolves and it adapts over time and you still like it, then the reason nostalgia works, the only reason nostalgia really works is that if it was good, like you can't necessarily cash in. Like you and I talked about before the show, uh, there's a new Christmas story movie. And a lot of people are kind of astonished to know there's been like 10 of the things. But the only one that, that matters is the original, you know, the original Bob Clark Christmas story. And this one's called Christmas Story Christmas. And... It's a movie designed by algorithm to insert old things from the old one because, oh, you like this, then you will like this. You like this, you like that. It's like shopping on Amazon. You look up socks and all of a sudden the ads are all socks. <laughs> oh, you like that book? Then you'll like this book. You know, but It's like every Netflix movie. Ever. Yeah, but with Weird Al, you don't have that because Eat It does not sound, you know, it doesn't sound anything like tacky. And tacky sounds yeah. nothing like, you know, Amish Paradise. Like... You can't use nostalgia. He's a good writer. He's very funny. He makes you think. And you listen to it three times. And by the third time, you're hooked. And that's and it. And you're memorizing the lyrics. Yeah. And yeah. and going back to this movie, though, I mean, I'm going to let you take it from here. But you did forget something. You talked about when you went to the station. You forget that this station in the middle of nowhere had its own bum begging for me, yeah. begging for change, which turns out to be the catalyst for everything in the whole movie. It's so great. This movie has some incredible callbacks. It does. Um, I really, I, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, I haven't seen this movie in probably 20 years, maybe, mm-hmm. uh, like around there, 20 years probably. 
and so I, I remembered I remembered the the architecture of it. I remembered mm-hmm. I actually remembered how it ends with the how they finally get the money. And I remember, you know, I remember sketches. I've seen Weird Al concerts exactly. three, three times, and they play a lot of these sketches. Mm-hmm. So I remembered a lot of that. But I actually was surprised at how much I loved it this yeah. time around. And and I think a big part of it, and yeah, I'm nostalgic about Weird Al. Um, I've I have almost all of his CDs, at least Poodle Hat and, and before. I don't think I have any of his last three. I it, it makes you respect just first of all it has an incredible framework uh that's built around this yeah it's a it's a it's great a it's a great a, setup it's a fantastic yeah, it's a setup pretense that it's a tv station which kind of like gives gives the writer who uh, weird al is a co-writer on this um the excuse to just put a bunch of sketches in but they all make sense they're all really good they don't feel cheap um they all feel warranted they all feel inspired but in in the way that Kentucky Fried movie, I, I don't know if you what your what your thoughts are on Kentucky Fried movie. Oh, I'm a big fan. I'm I, I'm a big Me fan too. of uh, I'm a big fan of sketch comedy like that. Yeah, uh, I, don't, or, I don't. Or like Hollywood Shuffle. I don't know if you've seen Hollywood Shuffle. Oh, I love Hollywood Shuffle. You um, it's I, kind of like like I love Hollywood Shuffle too, and it's it's kind of like well, Hollywood Shuffle. The framework was a little flimsier. It's very much about. Well, um, but but Hollywood Shuffle, even though that movie has been forgotten, right? It gave birth. That was the DNA of In Living Color. The oh TV yeah, one hundred percent. You don't have and In Living have Color one without of the, it. One of the actors in UHF, the camera guy, um, I forget his name. He's oh. in Hollywood Shuffle. He's he's also the main antagonist in the Fat Video. Yeah, he's the, oh, that's he's right, the one that goes. Right. Remember yeah, and remember what he said. He's like cool Ding film. Dong, Yo Ding Dong, Yo. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's um, we talking about oh, the same right, fat, yeah, yeah. We talking about the same fat guy. Yeah, no, I was thinking about uh, the Eat It video. Oh, eat it! No, no, eat it's different. Um, eat it's like eat it has eat it has that great scene. You remember when the bad when they're getting ready to rumble and they just you can see them pushing the bad guy on the on the on the dolly. Yeah, uh, God, I, look, we could talk about the videos all day. This could be a weird out video thing. I just went back and rewatched like twenty of them today. Love. I should have done that. I, I that's probably the one thing I oh, I wish I'd done. There's your weekend. <laughs> so yeah, he's big on YouTube, but um. By the way, he is huge on YouTube. I will say this. Weird Al is giant. Like, he, he throws numbers like BTS, and I'm not joking. Yeah, no, I'm sure. He's, uh, yeah, and his fans are probably one of, some of the most loyal uh, fans in, in pop culture. You Up there with, like, Star Trek and, and Star Wars, um, and you have Weird Al, and there's some uh, a Venn diagram there somewhere. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I honestly think that this movie is a fantastic, UHF is a fantastic story. I think it's a great underdog story, honestly. And it's it's never one note. Um, you know, he gets, fi- it, he gets fired from his jobs early on. He gets it, and then he gets his dream job. Then he fails at his dream job. Then he climbs back out of it and succeeds at his dream job. And then has it threatened to be taken away from him again. And then he succeeds again because of how much he means to his fans. It it just it takes you on this ride and and it it, it like punctuates it with all these sketches. But um, and it's such a relatable idea that even when you finally get your dream job, it doesn't always work out. Still, you think that when you're you're finally doing what you want, that it'll all be easier. But you still have to put in the work and you still have to to build and cultivate like a fan base um, and be inspired still. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, um, the, the 80s were filled with these sort of surreal comedies. Like, we've already talked about a couple of them on this program. 
Like uh, the big one, of course, being Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, I was just thinking. Um, but you know, I was looking it up. Like I remember, there's this awful Rick Moranis movie. I was I was double checking. It was directed by Peter Himes of all people. It was called Stay Tuned, and it was very oh, similar. Oh yeah, yeah, very similar P-82 to UHF or something. Yeah, and there was a bunch of these things that would come out, and I think. I think um, there's some DNA between some of the uh, some of the um, John Ritter movies. I, I don't know if Problem Child shares DNA with UHF oh, yeah. or not. But you know, you have that sur- that surality. Like there's scenes when Weird Al will get his cheek pinched and it comes out. He gets thrown in the air. You know, <laughs> like weird stuff happens. Yeah. And it's just co- sort of real, sort of not. But you go with it because that's just how humor was back then. And they don't belabor anything either. No. They just they move on to the next thing. Exactly. It doesn't. Oh, that didn't work. Just yeah. move on. Just move on. And not all the jokes hit, and the, you know. Let's be honest. As a film, it's not great. Um, it's not a greatly directed film. It's not you know. Weird, Weird Al's not quite you know as good an actor as he's I, become. Well, well, and I will say about Weird Al, I think it's almost impressive how he doesn't ever try to commandeer the movie. No, and I don't know if that's because maybe he doesn't have the chops to do it. But it never feels like an ego project for him. He kind of really lets everyone else shine in the movie, and. And for for better, I think you know you got the you got obviously Michael Richards is the standout here. Yeah, we could um, we could, let's talk about Michael Richards at length in a minute. But yeah, um, you are right, and I want to say you're going to laugh at me when I say this, but it's kind of the prototype of all the Adam Sandler movies. I, I wrote that it's literally yeah. in my notes right now. Yeah, and like, Wayne's World too, by the way. And again, they share they share some of this where it's an ensemble, and yeah, and you could tell these people are genuinely good friends, and they like each other, and they want to hire each other. And I think when we get to our second movie, that becomes very evident. But you know, I can get why critics didn't really care for it. I can get it because we just survived the Naked Gun movies. We had the Zucker. We had we're coming. What are we coming from? Airplane. Survived the uh, Naked Gun. Yeah. Yeah. I love the Naked. By the way, Weird Al's yeah. in the Naked Gun movies. Yeah. So let's just say he does the theme song to Spy Hard. But I will say this: uh, we got Airplane. We have, uh, what was the Val Kilmer movie uh, where he plays the spy? You know what I'm talking about? The other Zucker movie. No. I he even... plays the spy. Oh, Spy Hard? No. Oh, my God. What? What is that movie? Um, your guy, Roger Ebert, loved it. He actually he actually, he actually, actually raved about it. Uh, goodness. Oh, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you think we're morons because we don't know this movie, you're right. But screw you. I don't <laughs> care. It's your own, get your own There's podcast. There's so many of them, though. Like, those, those all blend together. Like, no. the... Uh, real no no top secret. It was his first movie. Top secret, yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah. top secret is oh, awesome. Top wow, secret's yeah. awesome. No, if you ever see you ever see top secret, and Ebert had a quote in his review where he said it's the type of movie you laugh twice. You laugh like what was it? You laugh twice. You laugh how stupid it is. Then you laugh at yourself for laughing how stupid it was. Yeah. Um. So I get it. Like he's so Ebert liked that type of zany humor, but I don't think he was the right person to judge Weird Al's earnestness. And I think that's what makes this movie survive. Some of the jokes are stupid and dumb, and you shouldn't be, and you wouldn't be laughing with anybody else. But there's just something likable about it. Like you feel like your friends performing for you a little bit. Yeah, there's definitely a crossover in tone um, with the Adam Sandler stuff. Just like these mm-hmm. non sequiturs, and um, you know the jarring tonal shifts or whatever. But. Um, even stuff like like I said Wayne's World or um, I, I was for some reason there are times watching UHF I was thinking about Shakes the Clown mm-hmm. which Adam Sandler's in but he's I don't this, he's not part of the creative team there but but yeah there is an edge though to UHF that I don't quite remember the Naked Gun Naked Gun movies were edgy but in a different way kind of more like a sex comedy way whereas UHF was edgy in a more 
there's a you know you have the, the guy throwing <laughs> the dogs out the window oh. on a pile on the ground and and like bodies getting literally split in half. Let's. Uh, uh, I want to say something about that real quick. Um, yeah. You're talking about the Raul, the Raul Hernandez, who does the show about animals. Yeah. I learned something really sad. Like, yeah, a lot of people didn't survive this movie. Um, so Raul Hernandez, who played the little the animal guy, the one who says yeah. badgers, we don't need no stinking badgers. Yeah. Um, played by Trinidad Silva, mm-hmm. he pa- he passed away right after he filmed that scene. He yeah, was killed yeah, in a car accident. Right? Yeah, he was killed in a car right after. So they decided to not recast him, splice him in, and they dedicated the film to him. So there you go. Yeah, and the, yeah, and and there's a great line. He said, "Did you? I, I don't remember hiring that guy." He said, "Did you hire him? I didn't hire that no. guy." <laughs> He's like, "You just made it onto the TV." Like, a lot of people don't know this, but turtles are suction cups. Yeah. <laughs> Today we're going to teach a poodle how to fly. It's such like Letterman humor too. Like, I don't know if you're a Letterman guy, but it, um, it feels so just like off the wall, like um, out of left field, bonkers stuff me... that's like subtle that like slips through the cracks almost. A lot of these jokes. Let me say this about Letterman. Letterman, I like Letterman, but what was that movie he was in? Um, Cabin with Boy. Chris, yeah, with Chris Elliott, remember? Love Cabin Boy. Yeah. And he's like, you want to buy a monkey? So, yeah. I mean, I like David Letterman, but I like David Letterman when he was still funny and not mean. Yeah, he got, he got also, he got insanely politicized towards yeah, the end of his reign. That's... And it was it almost like he got, yeah, it, it became not fun. Basically, after like it was fun. I mean, the George W. Bush stuff was great. He and they had a like a, a rapport too. He used to have him on his show, and then it just got kind of like. Well, you can kind of see it though, series. like when he was doing. Um, oh, who was the guy who did American Splendor? Harvey Picar. Mm-hmm. Like, if you go back and watch the Harvey Picar stuff, like you know when Harvey Picar was taking advantage, you can see the mean spiritedness come through a little bit. Like you yeah. can tell, like it was always the like Crispin Glover stuff too. Yeah, Crispin Glover. I guess Crispin Glover was supposed to be in UHF. Did you know that? I, it, honestly, I was gonna I, I was gonna say do you, uh, Victoria Jackson, who plays um, Weird Al's <laughs> girlfriend in this, is she doing a Lorraine McFly? She sounds like she Leah might Thompson be, yeah, they, Lorraine, they, old they, Lorraine McFly, like when she's an adult. Uh, you mean one of the greatest female comedy roles of all time? Oh my gosh, and fantastic, by the way. Um, but in the but she's doing like the you're just a dreamer, George. Like she sounds just like she's Lorraine. The, well, I was listening to the commentary, and, and I'll just say this. Um, Victoria Jackson has gone through a little bit of troubles personally, so we don't really – we won't get into that. Um, if, you don't, if you're not aware, don't look it up because it's just – it's personal stuff. But um, apparently she, she, uh, Jennifer Tilly was up for the role too. Well, I can and, see that. And she makes a point like why did, it, why did they hire women with weird squeaky voices? Like you also have, of course, Fran Dresser, the great Fran Dresser. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's – who would go off to mega stardom as the nanny. And, you know, she's got that great, squeak, you know, that New York accent. Yeah, she's great in this, too. Oh, she's great. They're all great. Like, they're all fun. Like, they're all friends. Yeah, the, the short, the, the midget cameraman. Okay, first of all, you're talking about the great, the great. <laughs> yeah, the Bill. Uh, Bill Barty. Bill Barty, yeah. Yeah, Bill Barty's it, it, awesome. But it's been, but that's the thing, like, Weird Al, and he does this with his music, too. Like, he always, he balances he draws this line between parody and like disrespect, but he never crosses that line. And, and he even like, although he pokes fun at like, there's the blind guy doing the Rubik's cube, like the, the short cameraman, he always does it with like this empathy for these people. And he even gives like power to these misfits. Like they, they are empowered in this movie. Like the, the, the camera guy, he gets his revenge on the guy later on. Like, 
you are still you can tell he really loves mm-hmm. that he's misfits and there's like this really cool um like camaraderie between them that he has even though he even though a lot of the jokes are about it he's he's doing it out of love and out of like respect for these people and he's making fun of himself he always makes fun of himself too and that's i think what makes it like in Kentucky Fried Movie, no every no one is safe in that movie. It makes fun of every single person, and this feels like that too. I think exactly like it's 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 self deprecation, but it's more than that. It's it's everybody's weird, and you know everybody's weird, everybody's stupid sometimes, everybody's strange, and this is a celebration of that. I think his entire career is we're all misfits, you know. Like for example, um, you look back. I mean, you asked me about you know my history with Weird Al and everything, but I think I could be summed it up. I forget who said it, and if, and if you remember who said it, well, if you can't, then I'll just attribute it to myself. Like yesterday's cool is tomorrow, you know. Yesterday's cool is tomorrow's nerd. Like everything comes out of focus. Everything changes. Like the the stuff that Weird Al did back then, I would not be surprised if the parody songs outlast the original songs. And yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, yeah. You know, at the end of his commentary for UHF, he he makes he he has a tongue in cheek snide remark. He says. My only regret is that we lost the we lost the Oscar to Driving Miss Daisy, and I thought to myself, no one's watching Driving Miss Daisy anymore. Like no one's watching that movie. Like it's not a bad movie, but no one's watching it. Like literally, you had to sit through it to get through it because it was Oscar bait. And I love Jessica Tandy, but people are watching UHF. They're still watching this movie. You know, they're going to be watching this movie, and they're because there's an earnestness to it. A, a you know a no budget box office turd that did nothing financially went off to thrive and it doesn't mean it won the race it just means that it played the long game and i guess it's winning <laughs> yeah and, and and it's funny like how many you look at the best picture winners and like yeah they, people are still watching gladiator and people are still watching um you know forrest gump but there's so many that people that you know no one's watched after that year probably but you have movies like this or like i mean bigger back to the future that wasn't like movies that weren't even nominated that people are still that are so embedded into the zeitgeist and we're still watching and talking about it well i mean we talk about citizen kane all the time and citizen kane was another box office turd yeah you know and i mean the fact of the matter is and we can we can actually like segue into something else from this too but i love the fact that the oscars you know the academy awards have imploded and they've imploded in a way that was way overdue. And I think, you know, you, I'm not just talking about their, you know, their, the box office. The box office for the Oscars have been abysmal. I don't think they've ever been lower. Nobody watches them. And so, so what do they do to fix it? They decide they're going to start dictating content to films. Like, your movie's not going to be nominated if he doesn't have X and Y, if you don't hire this many people and this and that. It's like, why Hollywood actors and, and, and producers don't stand up to them, I don't understand. Like, you're, you're going to tell, like, if that case, then Parasite, you know, the, the Korean movie, it wouldn't have won anything because it doesn't meet any of those criteria. Yeah. But, but of course, it does. And so... And you wouldn't, wa- and you wouldn't want it to. Like, you know, no. I, like, I don't want to just see a bunch of random white people in Parasite. No, exactly. Like, like what is this? Also, it's, but there is, I think, the reason why they do it is because there's this bump, like the Weird Al bump. Mm-hmm. There's this bump that happens when your film gets nominated you, you know people start seeing the box office because they think that they have to they want to talk about it they want to see what this arbitrary award show has rendered yeah. a good movie and i will say the oscars does surprise me every once in a while when 
uh, Anthony Hopkins uh, won Best Actor a couple years ago, and everyone thought it was going to be Chadwick. That Boseman. was yeah, that was that was surprising. And I love Chadwick Boseman. That was the worst performance of his career. He was obviously dying when he made that movie. He was not in the role. He was he was totally not immersed in that role, like Anthony Hopkins was in Father. Anthony Hopkins was outstanding in The Father. It was one of the best performances I've ever seen by any human being in my life. He totally deserved it, and they still gave it to him. Obviously, I, I but think, it, that yeah. surprised me. I, I did not think he was going to win. I it was like, no way in, in the world Chadwick Boseman is not winning this. And Anthony Hopkins won, and it was amazing. And so, like, stuff like that surprised me when Nomad Land won. It wasn't my favorite movie of the year, but oh, it probably was the yeah, best movie. But we are cynical, though, in a way. Like, we can, you can almost predict it in some ways sure. only because it, it, it meets the boxes. But I mean, like, you're right, the Oscars have their place. You know they, you know they can surprise you if when they go back to being a pure celebration of cinema, and you know not so much competition. It's not a competition. It's 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 more like democracy. It's a voting thing. Yeah, like, yeah Billy Crystal hosting again. But you know there was a couple a couple years back there was a petition to get Weird Al to play the Super Bowl, and I don't. Did he ever? He has Weird Al ever been to the Oscars? To the Oscars? Yeah. Like, I doubt it. Well, I, that's what I'm saying. Like you, you look at this. This is this man has been more consistently successful than ninety percent of the people who are going to be there next year. And it's just, there, there needs to be more of a celebration of those accomplishments and what's, what's happened. Because I think Weird Al is like the, the, the well force of so much modern comedy and so much modern talent. Like, um, you know, we're gonna be talking about the weird, you know, the, the other Weird Al movie here in a minute. But a couple, you know, what was that one that came out from, what was it, The Lonely Island? What's that troupe that does the comedy movies? They oh, did, yeah, uh, Lonely, <clears throat> sorry, yeah. Um, pop, pop Star. Yeah, Pop Star Never yeah. Stop. Yeah, and some of those guys are in the new Weird Al movie, too. Yeah. And it's, you know, you get you get what musical parody is, you get what comedy is. And the truth is, comedy is, a, <laughs> is dying in Hollywood. And it's, and it's dying for all the reasons that UHF thrives. It's not po- yeah. like political correctness. This, you know, this rush to be not offensive. I, I don't think they can coexist. I don't. You can you can have things, but you can't make a you can't make somebody laugh by having those regulations. It doesn't work. And, you know, and we haven't we haven't talked about the new Weird Al movie, but um, yeah, I, I'm not. I, you know my thoughts on it because you read my review, but I'm, I'm honestly not sure what your thoughts are on it. Yeah, I thought it did a great job at not well, at being inoffensive, being ballsy. And not having any sort of mo, it literally just existed to entertain. It exists, it, and it did it without needing to be uh, anything that nobody likes. I'll tell you what. Let's let's start. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about let's talk about the next movie, and we can we can sort of inter we can weave back and forth. So uh, I will say this: we didn't even talk about some of the stuff. We didn't get into anything on UHF. We didn't get into Spatula City. We didn't get into <laughs> yeah, Wheel of Fish. <laughs> you know, we didn't get into the the parody of the Bill, Beverly Hillbillies. We didn't get Wait, we didn't even touch anything yet. Real real quick though, then what is your favorite? Do you have a favorite sketch? Oh, from absolutely. UHF? Are, you, are you kidding? I, it's one of my favorite sketches of all time. What is it? Spatula City. Oh yeah, Spatula City. I I don't know why I love it so much. I know that I do, and I. I, I quote Spatula City all the time, and I love the audacity that they're going to make a straight commercial about a one-product store that does Open nothing. Open till midnight. Open till midnight. Like nothing says I love you <laughs> like a spatula. You know, like, where did you get that spatula? Like, it's just it's so funny because they play it straight. They play it so straight, and you know, I will say this: I live in Kansas City, and little trivia. I didn't know this until yesterday. 
Weird Al's dad was born like three blocks from where I live. Didn't know. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, a place called Strawberry Hill. Um, there was a big exodus of talent from Kansas City that moved to Los Angeles back in the you know the early teens of the last century, including Disney, by the way. And um, but yeah, you 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 know, there's a. I was at the mall a couple of months ago, and there's a little store in this mall, this upscale uppity rich person store. All they do is sell pens, just pens, all pens. And I, every time I see it, I'm like, special city, <laughs> special yeah, city. The same, there's a store in Palm Springs, and it was just a vacuum store. Yeah. And they just sold vacuums. Now, that's a practical thing. but Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. We have a vacuum that's... store, too, but, like, so <laughs> minded of Spatula City. It, I just love the audacity of how stupid it is. Yeah. I really do. Um, and I love Wheel of Fish. And I love and I love Conan the Barb uh, the librarian, but I do quote once a year. I do quote Gandhi too. I do quote it all the time, because it's got the greatest tagline in the whole movie, and it's so stupid. I love it, and it's no more Mister Passive Resistance. <laughs> it's so. By the way, Gandhi is played by uh, Jay Levy, the director. And oh, is it really? I yeah. didn't even realize that. And uh, he's also he's also Hell's manager. Did you know that? He's who? He's what? He's Weird Al's manager. That's, that's oh, in it. real life. Yeah, real life. Still. Oh wow! This is his only directorial mm-hmm. thing that's not a music video. That's not like, a music video. Not, yeah, and and the same way, um, Weird Al. This is the only thing Weird Al wrote before, uh, prior to writing the new movie. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like the Rambo sketch too. Oh, I love the I love the. Did you know that? Um, I was listening to the. I always give the commentary because this stuff's hard to find on Wikipedia. But I guess uh, there's some connections with Sylvester Stallone, and they were actually trying to get Sly to have a cameo. Oh, really? Yeah, it didn't work. I mean, I'll, they keep saying that a lot, so who knows how true that is. He does a great, he does a, he does a really good, um, in a sketch comedy type of way, he does a really good Stallone impression like, with the mouth. Yeah, uh, it, I expression. mean, it looks silly and stupid, but when, yeah. when they show that scene, when he fires the arrow and explodes him like in uh, Rambo 2, I laugh. And then yeah, later, great. when he catches the bullet in his mouth and he chews it up and he spits it back, and it's the same effect. It's just so stupid. It's funny. Yeah. They, they go for it. Like, that could have been really bad because practical effects humor is really hard to pull off. No, yeah. It, it, that, that is true, especially in 89 um, in a, like a movie like this where it probably didn't have a super big No, budget. no, no, no. Um, um, you know who did the effects? We know the people that did the effects. Who? Um, it was uh, Nicotero. Um, what's his What's his name? Nicotero from The Walking Dead and Day of the Dead. Oh, really? Yeah. Who Who was mentored by da, 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 Tom Savini? Tom Savini. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So go That's figure. That well, crazy? that makes sense. There's some. There are some good effects, like when the body splits in half, when like the body explodes. It's like, so that, funny. It's so there. cheesy. I love it. Um, but you have to have good editing too, and the editing obviously did a good job. I, I, another one at the beginning. Speaking of editing, um, intentionally bad editing, but uh, the Indiana Jones spoof. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, just as an aside, it is funny. Um, the music in that opening scene. Uh, it kind of just shows how effective the original John Williams score is in Raiders of the Lost Ark during mm-hmm. the Boulder scene because this music just does not have that same effect even though I like the scene but then when he cuts the guy's arm off and then you can see it clearly he's just holding his hand behind him as cut, he runs away cuts, cuts the guy's left arm off but the arm that falls on the ground is the right arm yeah and, and, then, he, just... and, then, he run, and then he runs away and you can see his hand behind his back but that's okay like, yeah, it's it's intentional. It's it's funny. Yeah, it's I la- I audibly laughed at it. 
Yeah, it's funny. Like it, like a, a joke doesn't have to be perfect. I think sometimes you, it's like anything. You scrub it so hard, you scrub the skin yeah. off. And yeah, there's, there's just the right thing. And I think most of the jokes hit. I think most of the jokes are funny. Like the cheek joke when he pulls the thing, not not that funny to me. Yeah, yeah, sure. But like he does didn't need to be there. It could have just been pulling the cheek. You know, what I mean, it doesn't need to be stretched. But yeah. but I'm not complaining. It's not a complaint. Oh, it's like, yeah. oh, because you're already on to the next joke. You're already on to the next yeah. one. It's just, it's just peppering. Um, it's just here and there, yeah. But I will say this, though. I know we said we're going to move on, but I, let's, just, let's just get the bag out of the way. Let's talk about the best thing about, about UHF, and you know what it is. I know what it is. Everybody knows what it is. Everybody loves it. Michael Richards. Of course. Michael Richards. He's a star. He's the star of this movie. Except yeah. For, as know. Stanley Spadowski, the most inappropriate children's host of all time. <laughs> the janitor who loves his mop. Um, who doesn't know what he's doing, and he's awesome. And let's. Just, what do you think? Oh, he's great. He, when he informs the kidnappers that his blindfold's falling off, just as a courtesy. As a courtesy, uh, he's like, I'm thinking of something yeah, that's orange. It's so good. He, it's he's orange. phenomenal. He's, Michael Richards is one of my favorite non SNL sketch comedians from Fridays. But um, mm-hmm. well, you yeah, love Transylvania Six Five Thousand, don't you? I do. Yeah, and he's yeah. in that too. Uh, I do like Transylvania Six Five Thousand. He he's so funny and he's so underrated because everyone knows him as Kramer now and he got typecast. Oh, and obviously mm-hmm. he had stuff that happened after that. But yeah. even but before Kramer, before Seinfeld, he had some really solid roles. And I think Seinfeld. I mean, and I'm not, I'm not uh, lamenting that he was in Seinfeld because I think that was like no, he was great in Seinfeld. TV characters ever. If you know, you could make a list of the top three best TV characters ever, and he'd be on it. Um, and George would probably be another one on there. Um, but uh, he's fantastic in this movie. I think this is, he's so, I, and it, he's probably ad-libbing, ad-libbing most of it. Um, I want to say something real quick. So I, I want to appreciate that you bypassed the whole controversy with Michael Richards. And I want to say this, like we've talked about this ad nauseum. Yeah. Um, you know, even you mentioned before, you know, the death of the, what was it? The death of the artist, you know, the idea that you separate the artist from the work and you have to look at it independently. And, you know, I'm, we are not going to get into details, but I will say one thing. Um, regardless how you fall on the so-called controversy, I would recommend anybody uh, who hasn't seen it, if you're a fan of Seinfeld, you probably know Curb Your Enthusiasm, yeah. uh, which is a great show, by the way. It's, I think it's the funniest show in the last 20 years. I do. Uh, I, love, I love Curb Your Enthusiasm. And Larry David invited Seinfeld back, you know, the whole cast to recreate the show and give it a, a proper conclusion. And Michael Richards had a big part in it. And there's a there's a great scene in that show where Michael Richards meets J.B. Smooth. You know, um, who does he yeah. play? Yeah, and, you know, J.B. Smooth is black. And, you know, where this is going. Mm-hmm. And one of the characters upsets Michael Richards. He gets real mad and he, go, and he looks at him and he says, I wish there was a word that I could call you. <laughs> and it's like he's, he's willing to, you know, he's willing to make amends with that. Because... Give him credit. Seinfeld is one of the good guys. Seinfeld is one of those people that supports comedians. And he's yeah. and I think he recognized that, you know, Richards was a gifted comedian before all that. And he gave him a chance. He became one of the biggest stars in the world. But I, I'll be honest with you. I love Stanley Lee Spadowski. He makes me laugh. He, the, he's a, such a great physical comedian. He's so fun to watch. He's disgusting, but he's lovable. He's a lovable oh, yeah. disgust. So and those teeth, he's fantastic. And yeah, his teeth. Oh man, his just his whole mug is perfect. Yeah, um, 
yeah, he's, he's he's really brilliant here, and and he's yeah the fire hose where he's shooting kids <laughs> off of the course. Who just found um, what was it? They, what did they find in the mashed potato pit? Oh, uh, what was it? What uh, was it? The ball? I forget the what oatmeal. they found. The marble was it? The marble and the oatmeal. Yeah. Yeah, marble. Uh, so again, there's two old people in there uh, competing with this little kid. It's fantastic. It's 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 along the lines of the Andy Kaufman um thing uh just in in terms of just peculiarity i think and i will say this um i love him too but he, he doesn't deserve as much credit as stanley spadowski but i want to give credit to um getty watanabe uh, oh yeah AKA, aka the most stereotypical asian actor of the 1980s yeah he played um, long dug dong didn't he? he played long dug dong he played everything of course his best movie was always that michael keaton movie you know, Gung Ho. If you have you ever seen Gung Ho? I've never seen no, I have not seen Gung Ho. Oh, I love Gung Ho. If you've never seen Gung Ho, right? Like Gung Ho is a time capsule, right? Uh, who directed Gung Ho? Somebody directed Gung Ho. Oh, yeah, Ron Howard did. Go figure. Okay. Yeah, it's where the Japanese bought the car company and they're introducing their weird ways to the Americans, blue collar and uh And Ron Howard had some weird uh early movie like Night Shift, also yeah. with Michael Keaton. Well, you know why though? Because he comes from that Roger Corman school. Yeah. Yeah, go figure. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, you Cocoon's know. a weird movie, too. Cocoon's awesome. Ron Howard used to it's be It's awesome, great. but it's a weird movie, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, he's a really good director, actually. I think he was. <laughs> so, well, yeah, okay. He I, was, yeah, I he think was. he was, and he may be again, but... Maybe, like, like, 15 years ago. But you know what, though? I saw the trailer for Willow, the TV show. Oh, yeah. And, and I'm not criticizing a show I have not seen, but you could tell it's a modern... TV production, like the film quality looks like modern, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I kind of wish Ron Howard was doing it. I was going to say, he's not involved in it. I no, I don't think so. And like I said, he's not a bad director at all. He's very, he's a workman director. I'll say that. He's very work, he makes good looking movies and they, yeah. they function well and sometimes they're really good. Um, but yeah, but Gung Ho, if you haven't seen it, uh, it's the best role I've ever seen Getty Watanabe in. And he's right here too as the, the karate teacher who runs a game show called Wheel of Fish. And, uh, I have a cl I have a clip. Can I play my clip? Yeah. We start with yesterday's winner, Miss Phyllis Weaver. Are you ready, Weaver? I sure am, Cooney. Okay, you get over there and spin the wheel of fish. Go ahead, give it a big spin. Red snapper. Mmm, very tasty. Okay, Weaver. Listen carefully. You can hold on to your red snapper, or you can go for what's in the box that Hiro-san is bringing down the aisle right now. What's it gonna be? playing a japanese person in this movie he's playing something he's playing he's playing something uh it's funny like um where i was talking about uh hiring him he's like oh for some reason he always played the asian characters <laughs> in your movie al 
So, <laughs> but no, he's from what is he from Oregon? I think he's not. Oh, is he really? Yeah, he's, a, he's American, more American than I am. Does he still do anything? Uh, I think he's still around. Let me double check. Where is he at? He was in Forty Seven Ronin. Really? Oh, hmm. that's weird. I the last word. Uh, he was in a short film. Let me see. He's probably on television. Oh, this is yeah. Okay, I knew it. He's in the Sex Lives of College Girls. I think that's from HBO. Did you just so, say I knew it? No, I because I just saw a commercial for that. I was watching a Weird Al video on YouTube, and that oh. damn show popped up. And it looks huh. like it looks like a fake version of another show, but it's real. It's real. It actually happened. So good old. Is it game. like is it like MTV's Undressed? Do you remember that one back in the day? I remember Undressed, but no, it look. What was it? What did it look like? It looked like um, Magic Mike. Got it. Yeah, it looked like Magic Mike. It's probably one of those shows that nobody watches, but but yeah. they think they will because the you know the the title sounds sexy, and it'll last twelve seasons. But you know, but you know, HBO they just they canceled a lot of really good stuff and they they removed it. So, huh. yeah, they they I don't know. Maybe they're gonna kill that app. I don't know. I like HBO Max, but oh, HBO Max is great. It's great. It was great for last year, <laughs> but um, yeah, wait, that's, that's another true. issue. That's another issue. Um. But no, like I said, we could go off forever. We could go off of the the parody of Money for Nothing, the Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah. Um, have you? Did you ever see the video for that? B- before this, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, uh, well, I, I actually learned. Well, you know the um, Mark. Oh, you Knopfler. mean the Dire Straits one? Yeah, the Dire Straits one. Oh, like, the original. Yeah, yeah like like Mark Knopfler, like and yeah. Guy Fletcher are actually on the Weird Al song. <laughs> so yeah, is it really a parody at that point? It's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's really good and. Um... So I, I haven't even brought this story up at all, hmm. but um, I saw, I went to the Running With Scissors tour in 1999, mm-hmm. probably 2000. They made the, I don't know if you've ever seen the Weird Al Live. It was a VHS tape. Now they saw it as a DVD. It's got like this blue cover with him on it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the show I was at. I was at the concert that's in that video and really? I'm actually in the video several times. When they debuted it on MT, on uh, VH1 back in the day, um, we recorded it because we knew it was going to be from that show. And uh, you can see me clear as day if you know what I'm wearing. If you know, like, what my face looked like as a 10-year-old. We are, we're holding up a sign that says Weird Al Rocks. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And so, yeah, I I, uh, I remember when we watched when we went to that concert, it was, like, a big thing. Mm-hmm. So he was playing, like, tons of clips from UHF. Mm-hmm. He was doing the whole costume changes. I yeah, don't know if he, he did, I don't he, think he does that at all of his shows. But He did the uh, – is that the one where he did the fat costume and he did yeah. – Yeah, he did everything. Out on stage. He did absolutely every single thing that he, he did. That was, like, his biggest show. Did he it play was like, Yoda? Did he play, did he play Yoda? He did not play Yoda. He played okay. – um, uh, he came Saga? out dressed – and then he came out dressed as, or sorry, um, Obi Wan from yeah, uh, Ewan McGregor's Obi Wan. The Saga yeah. begins. Was that Saga it? begins? Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it was a fantastic show. It it might be the greatest concert I've ever been to, literally just because it was by design. It was intended to be like this insanely cool production, mm-hmm. and it was. You ever get a chance to but watch that? You know what's funny though? Because um, I told you, I think we saw the same show, but you know, I saw a version of it. It's so intricate for a low key show. Yeah, like it's not like like I said, it's not like a Justin Timberlake show or you know a Taylor Swift show where it's all lights. It's it's performance driven, but there's still like audio visual stuff. You're right; they played all the clips and everything on the on the on the monitors. It's entertaining. It's just it's what it should be, right? It's really good. And yeah. Unlike Taylor Swift, it doesn't cost twenty thousand dollars to get into that thing. What the hell is and going on with that? And think of the vocal uh, versatility that Weird Al has to have to go from 
you know, Nirvana to uh, Michael Jackson to Puff Daddy. Like, the range this guy has to have. Like, how much, like, the vocal stretch well, this guy has to do. Not just that. Show, not just that. In the middle of every show. But the versatility of the musicianship, too, because some yeah, of those too, songs yeah. are. You know they're they're not in the same style. I mean, I'm just the style, but like they require different instrumentation. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, you have to play. You have different technique, right? Yeah, but as a as a vocalist, like the the pounding that that I'm just as far as like um, well endurance and like uh, what just it? what you can do. Boston had two lead guitarists, right? Yeah. Weird Al's lead is a damn accordion. Think about yeah. it. Yeah. The, and and the, he's had the same band since his very beginning, pretty much. I I told you, man, when they when his band went out, they went right up to the people, like you know, in the sleepy town in New Hampshire, and they knew the people because he's big online. Like I said, they interact with the fans online too. It's a community, and yeah. they like. Oh, I remember, I forget who was the the one of the drummers, but he went up right to this guy. And he said, "Oh, how's your mother doing?" Because he knew the mother had cancer. Like, wow. there's a reason why they're successful. Like, I get like everybody wants to you know, inculcate the idea that, you know, you care about your fans, like BTS, like the, the synergy between BTS, like not, I'm not poo-pooing BTS, please leap. Don't, don't kill me. But yeah, Legion, but like, it, it's so synthetic and it's so sterile. It's so marketing. It's not genuine. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like he does not love you. <laughs> He's, he doesn't know who you are. If he saw you in the street, he'd call the police. But no, yeah. but it, it's very rock and roll. You know, there are bands who made it back in the day who, if they weren't talented, they wouldn't have made it. Um, you know, you, I think, you know, heck, Led Zeppelin was one of the most talented bands of, of all time, if not the most talented. Um, but if you couldn't market that, you, their longevity would not have been as legendary or their, <laughs> their, the, the longevity, the longevity of their, of their legend wouldn't have been as, as, impactful if they weren't good same with like you know but nowadays you can market yourself i mean you could have always marketed yourself elvis presley was marketed but um you know what it is though it's like the galapagos islands like the galapagos islands are all these little islands but there's like 50 different types of finches right yeah so you don't have to be the biggest finch you just have to be the biggest finch on your island and then you can succeed and breed and you could have your own version of finch like you could have bts you could have taylor swift you could have beyonce like if you're watching TV right now or watching the news, Beyonce is the greatest artist who ever lived. She's the most popular. Oh, my God. Bigger than everything. But you actually look at the numbers. She doesn't come close. Right. But she's presented that way because she's like we talked about this before. Like she's presented as the biggest thing in whoever lived. And nothing against Beyonce or Taylor Swift or Ed Sheeran or all these new people. But you can like them, too. But. I don't see the longevity there as I do on certain other artists, like of generations. Like, I don't think the, the cult of personalities yeah. are, you know, it only lasts so long. Can I well, say that? But, well, yeah. And I was going to say too, Weird Al is the, the, the style of music, the type of music he was doing. He had to be good. He had to be talented to make it. If he wasn't a good parody um, writer or if he wasn't a good musician or a good singer or, you know, had these remarkable ideas, he wouldn't have been famous. He wouldn't be weird out. No one would know who he was. He'd be Tom Lear. No, he just he just someone who faded away with the times. He would just the be Al. He'd just he be had Al. To, he'd just be regular <laughs> Al. He would, but the fact that he was talented is why we're still talking about him. Yeah. The, is the reason why he was he was famous is because he's talented. Um, and you can't say that about a lot of people. A lot of people are famous because they look a certain way or they act a certain way. I will say one thing though. Like we talked about this before, just before we started recording. 
you know, we're talking about actors. I won't, I won't, you know, insult them by saying who they are necessarily, but you have actors who are sort of shoved on us because, yeah. you know, we're gonna get, we're gonna get the next big thing. And I feel bad sometimes. Um, who was the guy who was an Avatar? Uh, what was his name? Sam. Worthington. Sam Worthington. Yeah, like he was a nobody. Like nobody knew who he was. But word came out he was going to be in, you know, James Cameron's new movie. So suddenly he signed up for twenty movies, and he's he's coming out with Terminator. He's coming out with all these things, you know, Clash of the Titans. And he's clearly not ready, right? Mm-hmm. So people get a wrong impression of him. And, you know, to his credit, he's still surviving. He's still doing his thing. But then you have people that are pushed on you like Brad Pitt or Tom Cruise or, like I said, Jude Law, who are very attractive men. And maybe their acting talents aren't quite up to snuff yet. But if you look at their careers, you look at people, they eventually figure it out. Yeah. Slow learners, maybe. They're slow learners. They figure it out and they become cool. Like. But to be honest with you, in our lifetime, I don't think I've ever seen such a transition like Leonardo DiCaprio. Like Leonardo DiCaprio went from, you know, girl bait into genuinely fun actor that people like. And that's that's been a huge thing for him. Brad Pitt, too. I think the one that, I think so, too. Yeah. The one that surprises me the most. I'm actually not a huge Leo. I like Leo, but I'm not I don't think he's as good of an actor. People um, make him. No, but he's, he's but he's having fun with his career in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's doing what he wants to do. He's he's doing good movies. And that's that's what's important, I think. Um, but the actor who I think when I was young. And he came out with the first movie that people really noticed him was Phone Booth. This is Colin Farrell. Oh, Colin Farrell. He yeah, was he's another a one. heartthrob. Yeah. People loved this guy. He was like the hottest dude in Hollywood. He was. All this stuff. Bad boy. He's a freaking good actor. Like you watch him and stuff now. This guy is like a genuinely like actor studio type of guy. Like well, he is. He's like like Paul Newman. Like this guy can freaking act. And and there's not a lot of guys who I've seen in in my era. Who have to me who has a, who have impressed me as much as he has well, just as far as I want to give him some credit. Be and what he became. I want to give him credit because I knew something was special about Colin Farrell. Um, I first of all, one of the best movies of the two thousands was Minority Report. Yeah, like, yeah, one of you know one of Spielberg's last great movies, and he was in there. He was the police antagonist, and you know that he was he was immediately thrown in there. Like you said, let's put him with Tom Cruise. Let's put him. In um, uh, what was that? What was that war movie he was in? Tiger something. It was was it Joel Schumacher? It was somebody. Oh, um, uh, he was in a war movie because everyone yeah. was in war movies in the nineties yeah. and two thousands. Like, got to be an ensemble war movie. Yeah, Josh but, Hart, the Black Hawk no, Down thing. Oh yeah. goodness, everybody's got to do it. Why? Because Saving Private Ryan made all the money. So, but um, it was that horrible Daredevil movie with Ben Affleck. Oh where yeah, he, where he played Bullseye, and he's batshit crazy in that movie. He's so much fun. And you know he something's going to happen. But it took a few years. There was a lot of stinkers. But I remember he was in the new Batman movie as the Penguin. And he's under oh, so much makeup, so you can't good. tell it's him. You can't but tell it's him. But he's so good, though. He's like, he just like, he doesn't care that you can tell. This guy's like one of the most attractive dudes in Hollywood. And he buried him under this like a fat suit and like the worst <laughs> makeup job ever. And it's like so cool. And he's you would like, never he's... tell. And he's yeah. got and he had the drug troubles. He had a lot of that drug trouble sure, yeah. thing and all that. But but what I mean is like going back to Al though. And Al's, Al has become famous, persistently famous for exactly the opposite. There's there's no scandal. There's nothing. Yeah. There's not a shred. Like and, oh, yeah. and I think that's about a good time as any to get into yeah. the next film. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that too. So let's talk about the next film. So lead us on. What's the next one? Okay. Well, the next one we're talking about is Weird, the Al Yankovic story. <laughs> I know you read my review. Uh, it's up on the site. It's uh, I'm, I don't, really I'm like the only it. one who read it. Nobody else did. Just me. <laughs> I really. I, I, well, I was talking to the proverbial you. Uh, it's it's a 
it, I really liked it. it it's not um, a perfect movie by any means. Um, it has like a little dip in the middle. Let's uh, uh, let's give a little synopsis though. What it sure, is, sure, like how sorry, it came up, because no, only because it's interesting how it started. Like what you know, do you it's, mean? it's Genesis, like how it was created, because it's oh um, yeah, yeah yeah so yeah so back in 2010, um, Eric Appel, I'm guessing as you pronounce it, uh, he made this uh, short uh, film for Funny or Die, where basically he wanted to take the idea of a biopic and put it on Weird Al and, and make it super serious and like. He dated Madonna and like all this stuff, um, and I don't know how long the original one was. Weird Al's in it too, uh, briefly, not as himself. Um, but who plays Weird Al in the original one? I don't even know. It was uh, Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. Oh, that's right, Aaron Paul. That's yeah. right. And I guess Weird Al was like, you know, they talked about making it into a full-length film, and you know, they never thought it was going to happen. But then eventually, obviously, it happened, and here we have twelve years later. Uh, I think it. I think it happened for two reasons. One, um, music biopics have become huge. Yeah, um, you had especially you had like Bohemian Rhapsody, of course. The Elton John. The Elton John, and apparently Elvis has made all the money. Like yeah. Elvis has been huge, and Roku is desperate for content, and they had all this stuff available. And let's be honest, it probably didn't cost a lot. Um, I think it's they, a good looking movie though. Like just the way it's shot, it looks really good. The, it's it's uh, not good. Not like in the way that Netflix movies look good where they're all just like way too colorful but it just like has like a really nice warm aesthetic to it um yeah it looks digital but it doesn't look phony yeah exactly exactly yeah yeah like the Netflix stuff Netflix stuff can be very off-putting to me sometimes yeah like the way it's color corrected is very nice I like I like the way that they they color coded the movie so is it a biopic or is it a parody it's both. It's both. Uh, <laughs> so. so, so we start it, the like, I, and I, I've said this: the architecture is there for it for his story, for Riedel's story. It starts when he's you know maybe ten years old, twelve years old. Um, he's he's listening to Doctor Demento under the covers, so his parents don't hear him. Um, like it's forbidden. <laughs> uh, it's fantastic, and um, uh, yeah, and it goes from there. He gets his first accordion from from uh, what's it what, from Tom uh, Lennon. Re, from Reno nine one one. Yeah, Tom yeah. Lennon. Yeah, give it, he's a door-to-door um, salesman, sells him his first accordion, which well, I guess actually happened. Let's just say this. Um, let me stop you right there because I got to tell you something. Yeah? I laughed harder at that scene than I've laughed at any scene of any movie this year. And I got a clip from it because I think this is oh. going to be the standout. You know exactly what I'm going to say. Yeah. Okay, I got a clip from it. So the door-to-door salesman comes up and Weird Al's dad meets him. And, the, and he beats the shit out of him. And so, Toby Huss, by the way, good character actor. He's awesome, and uh, we do need to talk about Toby Huss. And uh, oh goodness, uh, what was her name? I want to get her name right. Julian Nicholson. Oh yeah, who plays the parents because they were both in that that horrible blonde movie that came out as different characters. So the the uh, Marilyn Manson one. Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe. No, Marilyn Manson. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Monroe. Not all the women he dated. Oh my god. Um, no, Marilyn Monroe biopic that was controversial. That they're both okay. in that. So who would have knew this would be the better biopic that they were in? But here's here's a is a very small small clip, but you'll laugh. Here we go. And why is my innocent young child wearing that devil squeeze box? Yeah. So I'm sorry. Had yeah, to do he, it. He yeah. In in this alternate reality, you you we find out right away where this movie stands. Yeah. Uh, he's he's going to polka parties and all the cool kids are playing forbidden like, polka parties yeah forbidden polka parties all the cool kids in school want to be his friend because he can play the accordion 
Um, they love po- it's it's absolutely fantastic. It, you're in you're immediately immersed in Weird Al's head <laughs> in his mind in in his uh, you know romanticized rea- version of reality of what it would be if he ruled the world. It goes from there, and he becomes like this sex symbol. Uh, and, and the movie very clearly makes it, makes it it very clearly lets you know that it's not about the facts. And if anything, it's about, uh, anything but the facts. Um, you know, I'm going to do some spoilers here. He kills Pablo Escobar. Mm -hmm. He dates Madonna. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, what's something else ridiculous he did here? Uh, he does LSD with, with Dr. Demento in a jacuzzi. Yeah. Um, played by Rain Wilson. Well, he, you know, he, he's the originator of Eat It, you know, that, that, you know. Yeah, he, oh, that's the other thing. He, (laughs) he inspired Michael Jackson to write Beat It, and Beat It was actually a parody of Eat It. Oh, man, it's so, the details in this movie are fantastic. (laughs) And my favorite scene, I don't know if you were as into this as I was, Mm. probably, was this fantastic pool party. Oh yeah, no, I, I wrote that down. Like that's at Dr. Demento's. That's house. a highlight. That's a fun and let's highlight. Run off the people. I'm going to run off the yeah. people who were at this pool party. So exactly. <laughs> first of all, um, it's at Dr. Demento's house. Wolfman Jack shows up, played by Jack Black, and Who's I amazing guess, by the way. Who's awesome I, is Wolfman Jack. Yeah, Wolfman Jack <laughs> Black, and I guess there's this rivalry between Dr. Demento and Wolfman Jack. While Kill. around the pool party is Frank Zappa, not uh, yeah. I'm not, He's dead, but like people who are playing these people: Frank Zappa, Elvira, Pee Wee Herman, not not Paul Rubens, but Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, who's the best part of the scene, in my opinion? Andy Warhol, Salvador Dali, <laughs> okay. Devo, Alice Cooper, Gallagher. Oh, by the way, R.I.P. By the way. Yeah, R.I.P. Gallagher. Yeah, Tiny Tim, uh, and John Deacon from Queen. Oh, much more. By the way, by the way, you mean the guy from Queen? The guy from Queen. Yeah. Yeah, he and he apparently this is where another another one rides the bus came out because he said do on the spot do a parody another one bites the dust and then he does it and he proves himself. Yeah, and it's like this rap battle. But thing. I want to say this. Fantastic. But you got to frame it, okay? So Doctor Demento is like he's the future of music, and yeah, he challenges him to make the uh, parody on the spot, and then you have Wolfman Jack who's all gruff. Like you know, for those who don't know, like if you watch any, if you watch uh, American Graffiti or anything, Wolfman yeah. Jack was the famous radio DJ. Best scene in American Graffiti. Yeah, exactly. He's famous, and and Jack Black is awesome. He's having a renaissance, by the way. Yeah. And, and I love Jack Black. By the way, Jack Black in Weird Al video, by the way, for Tacky, best thing in that movie. He, oh, he, you're right. He is. Yeah, he twerks. But um, no, and then when he gets played, and when another, you know, one, another one rides the bus, his voice changes to Jack Black. He's like, that's the most beautiful thing I ever heard. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. And uh, by the way, uh, he wasn't in the thing, but I just want to point out that Lynn Manuel Miranda's in this movie too. Yeah, he, that's true. Yeah, he. Um, yeah. Oh man, who he played the uh, the doctor, the ER the doctor, doctor. That's right. Who pronounces Weird Al dead? <laughs> so. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, but the pool scene is awesome. It's a lot of fun to watch, even though some of the. And by the way, that's Conan O'Brien as Andy Warhol. By the way. Yeah. I, I didn't. I, I was like, "Who is that?" And yeah. I, I saw the credits with him. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun just to watch, just to just yeah. to see the audacity. Because you know what they're saying. They're saying, "Look how it's good to be weird. It's good to yeah. be different." It's very. <clears throat> the movie is very Walk Hard. If you've seen. Oh, I love Walk Hard. Hard. It's very that meets, um, like the Muppet movie, in a way, in the sense that it's just it, the earnestness of it. Mm-hmm. Um. 
and and then you, the ballsiness of Lockhart, where it's just like, what what is this is really happening? Um, but it doesn't care. But Lockhart's about a fake person. This is about a real person, which makes it great. And we haven't even said Daniel Radcliffe plays weird. Yeah, out. like um, can we, let's talk about Daniel Radcliffe because I want to appreciate his dedication to realism by getting into bodacious shape to match Weird Al's real body. Because yeah. because apparently Weird Al is shredded. And, you know, no, I'm just kidding. He was not shredded. <laughs> so, um, but you know what's fun about this? Because we talked about this before. Like, when you have a biopic and they get an actor who doesn't look or sound anything like the actor, mm-hmm. Daniel Radcliffe does not look or sound anything like Al. Nothing. Like, he, like Weird Al sings the voice in the, in the show. Yeah, he does the voice, the dubs. Yeah. But, but that's what's funny about it. And I think that's what makes it work because Radcliffe is playing this biopic version of Weird Al serious. Like, almost you don't, like, yeah, you don't think of it, right? You, no. You're not thinking this is not Weird Al. Like when I watched, um, you know, when you watch The Queen one, you're like, wow, I can't believe how much this guy, like you're thinking about, you're comparing the actor to the person, but you don't do that at all here. And it almost makes you think like, is this the recipe for <laughs> succeeding at a biopic? Just letting people know that it's not real? It's so because you don't even think about it. Like every no. movie, you think about you. You compare it, but this one you don't. It's just so it's weird. Not, it's not distracting because you buy into the real, the surreality that they've set yeah, forth. Yeah, you definitely. Know, they, they set it right off the bat. Like the movie opens with Weird Al going into cardiac arrest, mm-hmm. and so and being saved. It's like get me a number two pencil and a pad of paper. But like it's okay. And I, I look. I told you this before, but I want to talk about Daniel Radcliffe for a second. Um. What do you think of him before we go off? Like, what do you think of Daniel Radcliffe in his, let's just say, post Harry Potter career? Yeah, I, th- I think he's written the, um, he, he's, he's written the book on how to survive being typecast. I think you need to make yourself stand out in other things because obviously Harry Potter is one thing was the biggest franchise ever. Money-wise, maybe. Um, I mean, obviously, it's Harry Potter, but he could have very easily just been Harry Potter for his whole life, and he's somehow not. And he's had like this really good career, but it's because he does weird stuff. He does this movie. He does the Swiss Army Man. He does the what's the one with the horns? Yeah, horns. (laughs) So horns. That's what's yeah. Like, uh, but but also that Guns Akimbo that came out. Yeah, it's and there's other stuff too, though. It's other stuff too, and I want to. I, I told you I was going to surprise you. I was going to compare him to Sean Connery a little bit. Um, Sean Connery is another one of those guys that became popular by playing a singular character, James yeah. Bond. And then you have this period of which he transformed his own career by wearing a diaper in Zardoz. You know this weird one, one onesie. And then if you look at if you look at Sean Connery's career in the '60s when he was James, he was he was so much more than James Bond. But if you look at his James Bond career. Then you look at his renaissance. I would arguably say the renaissance was more interesting than the James Bond period. You know, you have, he would do, what do we call it, character roles, like Indiana Jones' dad, or Highlander, or Medicine Man. Or the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He was good in that too. Or he would play a dragon voice. He would do more interesting things because he didn't, he he would say no to Gandalf in Lord of the Rings, but he would take other roles, you know, and Daniel Radcliffe, I don't know his financial situation. I don't know how much because he was he was picked as a child because he looked like the character. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Like he had no acting experience and he's grown into something and I'm not going to sit here and say he's a great actor or a bad actor. I'm not going to say that. 
But I wonder if the residuals means he can take whatever role he wants because he is clearly taking weird roles on purpose. Like what? What was the guy? What was the kid's name in um, Twilight? Who's now Batman? What's his name? Oh, Pattinson. Yeah. Yeah, Robert Pattinson, another guy who was picked in Harry Potter because he looked the part, yeah. and he has transformed himself away from that completely. He is now an independently good actor on his own. Which fantastic. Yeah. yeah I'm so um, clap. But you look at Daniel Radcliffe's career. He is he is taking roles. He is not going Oscar bait at all. You no, know, he, yeah. And I got to tell you something. He's a lot of people have said whispered he's in line to be the new Wolverine in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I could see it. I could easily see it. Um, but no, he's given it his all. He's he's committed. He, he's doing he, he's doing this. He comes from the uh, I think like the Harrison Ford school where just entertain them, like just do stuff that you like, do stuff because you like the project. Uh, Harrison Ford never really went for that Oscar bait role. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think ever. I can't even think. I mean, like, well, what about had, regarding Henry? Yeah, well, he had stuff that. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. He had a couple, I guess. But like, but like, really, you don't look at his career and say it's riddled with Oscar bait stuff like you do with, say, like, I don't know, Tom Hanks or like someone like that. Um, and I love Tom Hanks too, but his earlier stuff's. Way he better, needs to but, start picking better movies, by the way. Tom yeah, Hanks, you need to stop taking he's trash. Like, oh my gosh, he's he's so yeah, he's yeah. And I love Captain Phillips. I love the stuff that he's that he's been nominated for. Um, but yeah, I love Harrison Ford though because I love I'm I'm a fan of the movie star. Mm-hmm. Like I love Tom Cruise. I love Steve McQueen. You want to feel like you're in good hands. Exactly. I love Will yeah. Smith, but I like Will Smith before he started doing like I like his non-Oscar stuff better than his Oscar stuff. I like the stuff I can watch over and over and over again. I want, um, yeah. You want to be entertained, but you also yeah. want to feel like you're watching. Like there's a reason to watch. You like the charisma. Exactly. I'm in the charisma, the charisma side of watching an actor like, and and Daniel Radcliffe is, and he's not even that charismatic, I guess. No. But just play. He's interesting enough that you you're entertained by this guy, and and you don't know what in the world he's gonna do. Um, I don't know if you saw Swiss Army Man. Oh, I did. The farting zombie. Which uh... yeah, <laughs> and he doesn't even really do anything much in that movie. But yeah, it's well, so bizarre and intriguing. But those guys, though, the ones who made yeah. Swiss, they're the ones who made. Um, I would Every... just can I yeah was everything yeah. everywhere all at once. Um, you have these. You have people who are making interesting stuff, and you know what's funny about that movie? Not to segue, um, but no movie this year is more original than that movie. That's the most no way, original yeah. film of the year. Um, but I will say this: I love hearing people criticize it because the same people who say, "Oh, it's all Marvel movies, all superhero movies. Why don't we get anything original?" You got the most original damn thing you've ever seen. Oh, it goes on too long. Like you don't know what you want. You know, you yeah. don't know what you you think you do. You think you know what you want. What you want is to be entertained, but you yeah. don't understand the complexity of it. What do they call it? Irreducible complexity. Like you look at it, like oh, I don't, I. This is exactly what you thought you wanted, but yeah. no, but no. Um, and I think Radcliffe understands that, and I think he's not a box office draw outside of Harry Potter. No, we say he's that? not. Yeah. No, but he, I, I don't think he needs the paycheck. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. And I think his involvement. I don't think this movie gets made without him. Yeah, like he's I don't. A na- he's a name. Yeah, yeah, he's he has power behind his name, and not maybe even behind his talent, but behind the fact that he is Daniel Radcliffe. It, it could have been Michael Sarah. Can you imagine that? Yeah. No, I yeah. can't. So yeah, I, I I think he's fantastic in this. I think he's a lot of fun to watch. I think he's 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 giving it his all, and yeah, yeah he's doing the he's doing the thing. 
Yeah, he he's really he's really good in it. I I kind of compare him to like Jesse Eisenberg too, where he kind of just I mean that guy didn't even have any um I don't know where he got his fu money from, but he's doing what he wants to do too. Yeah, I give props to, props to him. Um, yeah, I would have loved to have seen Mark Hamill have a career like this after Star Wars, uh, where he just did. I mean, he well, did some interesting stuff. I, but I was a huge Mark actor. Hamill fan after Star Wars. Like I actually sought off sought yeah sought after his stuff. I remember I remember watching Guyver. Mm-hmm. Did you did you ever see the live action Guyver? No, I never saw it. Um, I was a big fan of the anime, of course. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, purist anime. So no anime. This is America. If they if they can say computer, I can say anime. So. Um, he wasn't very good in it, right? And you and he just couldn't find his niche. And then the Joker came, and he found it. It just happened to be a voice, right? And um, but now Mark Hamill has become Mark Hamill, like oh, yeah. that's who he is. He's not. Yeah, he's, a, a, he's a good old older uh, actor, I think. I, I think just when he was young, he was a little too squeaky and a little too um, power converter. Luke's yeah, yeah. Luke's <laughs> Yeah, but, but exactly. But you're putting him against Harrison Ford, though. That's the thing. And like, yeah. um, I remember watching The Fugitive, right? Going back to Star Power, I remember watching The Fugitive, and I, I, I'm a big fan of the movie. Are you a fan? Have you seen it? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That is star wattage, unlike anything today. Like the closest thing I think you have today to that type of exuberance on the screen is like I hate to say it, we've talked about it ad nauseum. But like Top Gun Maverick, you know, with Tom Cruise, like you have full wattage of a star whose only goal is to entertain you. And I think like Daniel Radcliffe and hate me for saying this all you want, Tom Cruise is not the best actor in the world. Um, Not traditionally, but you look at his career like in the 2000s, late 90s, he was doing Daniel Radcliffe roles. He was doing things like Magnolia, like taking chances with his star power. Eyes wide shut. Yeah. And now he's become an action star full time. He's going to space. But <laughs> and he's probably the biggest uh, movie star of all time. Yeah, probably. If you really want to look at it, yeah. I mean, just as far as the success wise. Yeah, but, you measure but, that. but I hate to say it. You're gonna laugh when I say this, but he's c- kind of like Weird Al. Like they yeah. come from the same time. Like they're both they both debuted around the same exact time, like the early '80s. Literally, they, yeah. They both never not been popular. They both created things. They both been involved. Like you've seen Tom Cruise stuff, even if you don't know it. You know, like, I don't know if you saw Tropic Thunder, but yeah, yeah, of course. But it's like, you don't stay popular forever unless you have something, right? And yeah. so, I mean, yeah, Weird Al and Tom Cruise. I mean, birds of a feather, brothers from another mother, you know, like, you might as well be twins. <laughs> so have you ever, have you, I, I'm not, <laughs> did you like the, the weird, the Al Yankovic? Oh, I, I, I like, I like, uh, I see, I'm going to date myself here. I liked a lot of it and I recommend it and I had a lot of fun with it and I will watch it again for the party scene. Um, yeah. the, it's a funnier die production and yeah, it feels like it. Yeah. Funnier, like my home state is New Hampshire. The, the state motto of New Hampshire is live free or die. It's a threat. <laughs> so you're going to like it, but uh, funny or Die is the same thing. It's it's funny or it's not. And unlike UHF, UHF is just rat-a-tat-tat-tat. Okay, that joke didn't land. We're on to the next joke. Let's keep moving on. This one focuses... This one doesn't have that that streamlined sincerity. Like, the Madonna stuff lasts too long. The There's a there's a middle part that sags a little bit because they they, they don't move on from the joke too much, too fast. Yeah, exactly. They, the, the thing with Madonna... So basically the subplot here is madonna hears that 
Weird Al is giving a bump to all these pop songs because he's parodying their songs. By the way, played by Evan, uh, Evan Rachel Wood. Evan Rachel she's, Wood. She's great, she, by the way. She's great. She does a great job, yeah. Um, yeah, talk about a child star who turned into like a really good adult actor. Didn't um, she? You know what? That's why I said Marilyn Manson. Because didn't she marry Marilyn Manson? Yeah, she did actually. Yeah, so there you go. So it was, it was subconscious. It was my oh, Freudian that's slip. Weird. Yeah, go for um, it. it that's weird. funny. That is funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, so there's a subplot where she's trying to date Weird Al. Use for, him. Yeah. Yeah, use him. Basically, she she proposes this idea to him. Okay, you, I write the song, and then you do a parody of it, and then it's like a synergy. She's proposing this, and he's like, no, nah, I don't want to do this. He's he's on this thing where he doesn't want to do parodies anymore. He had success with Eat It. He doesn't need it, which wasn't a parody. Um, no, it, was a the compl- it was a completely original song. Really original song. They make, they make so sure they say that. I can do this on my own. I don't need to do parodies anymore. So she, um, you know, she ba- they basically like have this rivalry thing. And I forget how she ends up in Colombia. They <laughs> because, kidnap her. They, they, Pablo Escobar kidnaps Madonna, Madonna so he can bait Weird Al into coming to his birthday yeah. party to sing. My, and, I... I I thought this movie was fantastic. I think that they dwelled too much on this. Pablo's coming for us. The so. plot. Oh yeah, you mentioned his name. Um, I think they dwelled too much on this Madonna thing. Yeah. They put all their chips on, uh, in the in the pot on this. And well, I, I think, think that's that, where the budget shows because they, you know, they yeah. probably could not, you know, have that sort of like parody with another star. You know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and and as much as I. I did like this, and I didn't even mention this in the review. I kind of thought about it later on. As much as I would have, as I liked how they ended it, I would have really liked for them to see them follow Weird Al into the late '80s and the '90s. Yeah, and like you know what I mean? Because I love Weird Al, and I and I got into him in the '90s. Well, they don't they don't get into any of it. Like they, they don't they don't get into like they the cheat. Star Wars. They cheat stuff. though. They cheat. They they, they, they do, do. Uh, Amish Paradise, but exactly way out exactly. of context. They, yeah, Amish Paradise. Yeah, it was that ninety five oh. or ninety six or something. You know what's fun about that? So Amish Paradise, of course, is a playoff Coolio's Gangsters Paradise, and I love the insinuation that Weird Al is ripping him off when in reality it was Coolio who was ripping off. Stevie Wonder Stevie for Wonder. Pastime, Pastime Paradise, yeah. Yeah, by the way, um, I have to say it, Coolio, R.I.P. I love go. Coolio, by the way. And he actually said later in life, he said, I was a young, stupid oh, yeah. he, kid. Yeah, he, I, he I should have been thinking Weird Al. He said that. He, he yeah. made amends and uh, respect to Coolio. I, I, I grew up with listening to Coolio. I love Coolio. Well, um, you notice it was only the rappers who did that. And I, and I think it's because you do have an earnestness with Coolio. Because Gangster's Paradise was a great song. It really was. Yeah. Well, Chameleon Air uh, thanked Weird Al in yes. his, what was his Oscar speech, or no, Oscars, the Grammy speech. <laughs> the Oscars, you never know. <laughs> Chameleon Air got the Oscar. Hey. Um, three, yeah, for, for uh, White and Nerdy. White and Nerdy, by the way, um, maybe Weird Al's best parody, by the way. Um, but, I'll say, but I'll say this. Um, yeah, but I think it's because you have the pop stars who are like known for excess, and you have the rappers, like especially Coolio, and you have Eminem, and I think a few others. And they probably are more protective of their songs. But if you think about it, so much of hip-hop, and you're a music guy, so much of hip-hop yeah. is made of samples from yep. other music. And so you do have this, like, meta-commentary on, well, who owns the sample and who doesn't? You know, like, like for example, like, when they joke about it in this movie, and I think this was brilliant, by the way. I think this movie is brilliant in its satire of Michael Jackson. Like, in how, like, they insinuate that 
like you said, that Al originated Eat It and Michael Jackson. Like, people are just going to think I'm a parody of that Michael Jackson. Like, <laughs> like, it's funny because that's when you know the movie twists itself. It's like, okay, it's going for it. It's really going for it. And just like UH, UHF, it is ballsy. There are some ballsy stuff in this movie. Um, they literally kill Pablo Escobar with a with a CD. Um, <laughs> it's fantastic. And and there are moments of literal brilliance in this movie. Yeah, there are. There are other moments that are like okay, like that lags a little too, too or it sags a little too much in the middle. Um, or you know, I do I because I love Weird Al. It would have been cool to see them talk about you know work UHF into the conversation. Uh, that stuff doesn't happen. Well, uh, I don't but... think we're going to spoil the last part, but let's just say the events transpire, which forbid them from going past a certain point. Um, real quick, though. So, you know, the Madonna thing is based on a real story. Like, it they was actually... met each other once, I think, right? Well, uh, I think Al talked about it where he said, like, his uh, he was like one of his people were friends with her. Okay. And she's the one who actually suggested that he parody like a virgin. Oh like, really? Okay. Yeah. So like, there's like that's the thing. It's truth is sprinkled throughout the movie a little bit. Like it's yeah, all like nuggets. The bathroom, the bathroom recording where he recorded my baloney. <laughs> By my the way, yeah. I laughed so hard at that scene because when they like, oh, the bathroom at the subway or whatever, and they run down yeah. there and they run into this guy's at the urinal. They just grab him, track him out of the urinal. So I do think it was a bathroom at uh, Cal, um, Cal Poly San Luis where he went to school. It's I think so it was funny. There. It, but it was just so funny them grabbing yeah. the. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's really good. Oh. And you know what's funny? This is one of the best parts of the movie. So, no spoilers, but when they're playing, when he's playing My Bologna, when you listen to it, you can hear instruments on it when it's clearly just Al playing with his accordion. Yeah. And it leads to my one of my, probably my favorite scene in the movie, when they go to the punk band and Al's playing live for the first time. Yeah. And you have this horrible punk group, it's all big, and who's sitting in the back, sitting in his martini, but Dr. Demento, played oh, by Rain so Wilson. Good. Yeah. And it's like, he's he's got his tuxedo on, he's got his top hat, <laughs> in this punk rock venue. And, and Weird Al's bombing, right? Because he's trying to play, and his friends are like, hey, maybe we should help him out. And they all go back and start playing. He's like, oh, he's like, you guys can play instruments? <laughs> like, Oh yeah, it didn't seem relevant until just this moment. That made me laugh. That's funny. Yeah, that's a, that was a good scene too. That's really funny. Uh, um, and Ray, uh, Demento, by the way, is in UHF. Yeah, he also. is. He's the whipped cream yeah. man. Yeah, He's and I, it's funny because I saw that and I was like, that guy looks like Rain Wilson. I was like, oh snap, that's Doctor Demento. Yeah, I like thought that was my thought process when I saw him. Rain, when I Rain Wilson's a lot of fun in this. He's a lot of fun. He's really good. And he's like, I'm not going to be your mentor. I'm going to be your dementor. But. Uh, yeah, the whole like the cast is really good. Like it's a lot of fun. Everybody's having so much fun in this, and yeah. that's what I was talking about with UHF. Is like everybody loves Al. Like I, I imagine like they did this movie for a song. Like I can't imagine it paid very well. <laughs> did you listen to the credit song? Yeah, that credit song. Uh, what was it called? Now you know. It's uh, yeah. It's not going to be nominated for an Oscar because yeah. Roku is not submitting it for it. Can you believe that? No. Oh no, that was like the joke. Yeah. Is it because it's not? In, does it not play in theaters or what? Well, I don't. I don't think it has to. But like you have to. Like I think they decided to go for an uh, an Emmy instead of an Oscar. Yeah. Ah, got it. But I would love to see Al perform at the Oscars, or just on TV. You know, something live. You know, just yeah. Because he's That's... had he's had a couple songs this year. Actually, did you know that he um he did that Star Wars another Star Wars song for that Lego Star yeah, he, Wars. Did he? Oh, for the oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, what was it called? It, um, what was that? It's funny. His last album was his first number one album ever. 
I want to tell you something. His last album was great, and it was a nice little comeback for him. And I got to tell you, I didn't listen to it. Um, it's got two songs that are among my favorite Weird Al songs of all time. It's wow. got um, Tacky, and it's got Handy. And I watch the video for Handy about once a year, and it makes me laugh every single time because it's that it's a parody of Fancy, and yeah. where he plays a, a he plays a mail order handyman who will come to your house and fix your walls. And Tacky is fun. You've never watched Tacky? I've seen the video. I've seen. I know both of those ones. I haven't listened to the album though. It's actually really um, good. Like, there's. A I know those of, two songs. I've seen the video for Tacky at least. I don't think I've seen Handy. The, the video for Tacky is happiness. Like I said, it's it's pure happy. And there's that great Jack Black scene when Jack Black is twerking and everyone's wearing gaudy, horrible like thrift store clothes. It's got um, what was the actress name? Tiffany, not Tiffany Haddish. Um, she played an Archer. What's her name? You know what I'm talking she about. Who? You ever watch the show Archer? No, I've not seen her. Let me get you her name because she, she deserves a shout out because she's really funny. And I know she and Al are friends. Tiffany Thiessen. Tiffany, is it Tiffany? Tiffany Thiessen? No. No, that's that. that's Saved by the Bell. Uh, let me see. Is that Tiffany Thiessen? Yeah. Saved by the Bell? Give me one second here. You know, if you watch Archer and you, I can't get you the name, I am so sorry for this. Aisha Taylor. Aisha Taylor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Aisha she's really Taylor. funny. And Margaret okay. Cho's in it, and that guy from Modern Family. But Jack Black steals the show. And I got to tell you something. So they're going through the whole thing where everyone's singing a verse. And then at the end, you go back to Al, who's in the alleyway. Yeah. And it feels triumphant. Like, this is why we're here to see it. Like, the man's still here. He's still got it. He's still funny. He's still cranking him out. Pharrell loves him because I think he did two Pharrell songs on that album. He did um, Blurred Lines. Yeah. With uh, Word Games. I work, was word, it word Crimes. Word yeah. Crimes. I know that one, too. And he did Tin Foil, or the Foil song, which is uh, from, you know, from, uh, what was that Lord song? Royals, Royals, yeah. That's oh, really funny. And he did videos for most everything. Like the, yeah, his videos are legendary. I will say he, I don't know what your favorite weird. You, you oh, like I made that. a list. I made a list. Oh, um, really? Okay, I want to hear this. Okay, uh, I'll start at the bottom, and this is in no particular order. Although number one is number one. Um, there's okay. no doubt in my mind what number one is. Um, I love Amish Paradise. I love it. I love the chorus. You know. <laughs> Today we raised the barns. Tomorrow, you know, like, like what is it? Churning lots of butter. So we we raised a barn. Tomorrow raise another. Yeah. Um, I love eBay. Although no one listens to eBay, but I love eBay. eBay. That was on Poodle Hat, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, I want it that way. It was the Backstreet Boys. Yeah, Backstreet Boys. Um, I just mentioned Handy. Handy's awesome. If you haven't watched it, watch Handy. Uh, Tacky. I told you, Tacky is just happiness. I mean, but then again, Happy was a good song too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people would say White and Nerdy is their favorite Weird Al song. It's certainly his biggest hit. It's his way by far is his biggest hit. And I, th- I think technically it's his best song because it's so awesome. It's so smart. It's really funny. The lyrics are perfect. Chameleonaire likes it. Everybody likes White and Nerdy. It's got Key and Peele in it. It's got Donny Osmond in the video. The video's perfect. The video's awesome. Listen to the lyrics. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, Eat It. Of course, everybody loves Eat It. Yeah. Eat It makes me laugh. Like, Eat It, Eat it is the only song he's ever written that makes me laugh. Like, like have a banana, have a whole bunch. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just fun. It's just fun. And the video's awesome. He's so funny in the video. He's so fun. Everything's perfect. But my favorite Weird Al song of all time is Dare to be Stupid. Oh, that's classic, yeah. I love it's it. an original, too. It's an original song. I mean, it's in this style of Devo. Well, and, I, and this is nostalgia talking, right? This is nostalgia being confirmed by, by experience. But it's from the Transformers soundtrack too, and in the video, oh, okay. in the scene of the Transformers um, movie, you know, 
Eric Idle is in that scene playing a Junkticon. So you have Eric Idle, of course, legend, who was also a fantastic songwriter who writes some of the, the greatest funny songs. And you have this Weird Al song playing. And then, then you find out there's a video that's sort of in the style of Devo. And then you find out Devo loves this song. And it's perfect. It's my favorite Weird Al song. It is, it is awesome. Every, it's musician-wise, musicianship, lyrics, everything about it. The video is fun. It, 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 more than anything else, it's, it's Weird Al in a nutshell. And I love it. I, but I love a lot of his stuff. And not all of it hits. Some people like other things, like Smells Like Teen Spirit or whatever. But yeah. what's your songs? What's your favorites? Oh, man. I, I didn't make a list. I'm going to tell you um, probably my top. I, okay, so I got into Weird Al when Running With Scissors, like mm-hmm. right before that came out. Um, mm-hmm. Probably that was the one that got me into him outright. And then I bought a bunch of uh, <laughs> his old CDs, like Bad Hair Day, um, uh, you know, a couple of his greatest hits, the UHF soundtrack, um, stuff like that. Uh, his first album, which is actually really good too. My favorite Weird Al song of all time is for sure Amish Paradise. Mm-hmm. I love "It's All About the Pentiums." I was in. Oh, I love I love that song yeah. too. I was a hip hop. Oh, can we so say I something though? Can we say something? Stuff. Yeah. But all about the Benjamins. The one he's parroting is not the original. He's parroting the remix. You remember? Yeah. The yeah the one with um with, yeah, with uh, like, the Kim rocker. Uh, little Kim, but who's the? Uh, is it David Grohl? I think is in there. Oh, with the, the guitar, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and David Grohl, by the way, is part of that Weird Al group. He's done stuff, you know, him and Jack Black and everything. They, they're they all part of that. He's part of that funny that funny business. Yeah, Dave Grohl's great. Uh, what's another one I really like? Oh, Pity, Pretty Fly for a Rabbi. Was oh, yeah, Pretty Fly. Yeah, that's fun. Um, that's a really good one, too. Um, I actually like that better than the Offspring song, probably. Uh, the Saga Begins, that was like, I memorized that when it came out. Um, and then we go to Bad Hair Day. I really love Gump. I love, obviously, Amish Paradise. I love, oh, man. Oh, you know what? My second favorite one is also from this album, The Night Santa Went Crazy. That I could <laughs> listen to all the time. I could listen to that every day. That's probably my number two. So, yeah, there's there's a, a bunch of my favorites. Yoda's great, too, obviously. Well, but, was Yoda on the album, though? That was a non-album cover, wasn't it? That was, Yoda was on one of his first couple was albums. It? Huh? it was, uh, but I got to tell you, though, the saga begins plays. Like it plays like whenever people hear it, it's one of those like candle songs. Like you, oh, don't, yeah. you don't expect that from Al, but but I think again because I mean American Pie is a fun song to listen to too. But the saga begins is the movie, and it came out. Yeah. Did it come out before the episode one or right after? Right after it, I think, because that was yeah. It references like the um, Qui Gon and stuff. God, it's so clever. Like the lyrics are so clever in that song. Like, he works the word midichlorian into the lyrics, by the way. <laughs> Which is just, fantastic. Maybe Vader someday later, but for now, yeah. a small fry. Small it's just, fry. It's yeah. just a good song. It's a good song, and it's, it's really fun, good. and it's yeah, it's a perfect match. You know, phony calls is another good one with TLC. But, but you know what's funny? Going back to James Bond for a second, like, yeah. like you just proved my point, and I didn't even know you proved it. Like when people talk about James Bond, they usually have their Bond. Like, mm-hmm. what Bond is your Bond? Right? For me, um, it was. Uh, probably Pierce Brosnan, but I think my favorite was probably um, Roger Moore. I love But there's Sean no Curry. definitive answer. No, there's no definitive answer. Which yeah, one is exactly. yours? Because it's just gone on, and which Weird Al is yours? Because you, that was his comeback. Or not a comeback, but that was his thing. And then, again, he had another comeback about nine years ago, eight years ago. Like, he keeps coming back. And you know what? You know, we need to talk about it, but the polka melodies are awesome too. Just like, oh man, yeah, they're the, really good. Yeah, the little mix of just all oh, the things. Oh yeah, they're so good. And 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 I think what makes Weird Al so relevant still is because he doesn't have to 
adapt his style because the pop industry is doing it for him. He's literally just, I mean, for, for lack of a better term, riding the coattails of the pop industry stylistically. And so he's always going to remain relevant well, as he, long um, as he's doing stuff. He talked about that. I think he, he, he was a little dismayed that there's not enough identifiable music anymore like the way it used to yeah. be. Like anthems and stuff. Yeah, there's just it's just yeah. if you listen to modern music, it's mostly sounds. Like I'm not trying to poo-poo it, but I it's sort of like um, I don't know. Quentin Tarantino was talking about how we live in like the worst movie times. I don't know if you saw that quote of his. I did see that. Yeah, yeah and I mean whether you agree with it or not, I mean he has a point, and the point is like with music today, it's like I don't know how many of these, how much music today is going to survive the way old music did, and I don't know if that's the music itself or the way it's marketed or like the, just the sheer number of choice. But I think it says a lot, Ethan, that one of the biggest hits of the year was a, um, oh, what was her name that did it? I'm sorry. I want to get you the right name. Uh, who's the one who did the, the song from Stranger Things? Kate Bush. Yeah. Like that, that a Kate, that a 40 year old Kate Bush song could be such a mega hit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Only because it, people heard it. Well, well I, I think, a big reason is how we consume our music. We consume it individually now more than ever, right? I mean, obviously, headphones have existed forever. Yeah. But, Do you ever see that um, commercial? Do you ever see that commercial where everyone's on the beach and they all have iPods and the, and the DJ, instead of playing, he just like puts his hand up in the air and they all press number one on their iPods? Oh, man. It's so that's, depressing. It's so that's depressing. fantastic, though. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I, th I think that's just a big... Uh, I mean, obviously, living in a pandemic year, you know, there's people who... You have to and remote work is at an all time high and it's just going to keep increasing. We have spaces where we're not talking about music, talking about culture, whereas like music is so fleeting, whereas film film, you have to sit there and invest time, maybe money, probably money in watching it so you can talk about it the next day. That's why we watch a lot of movies so we can talk well, about it. Music is not music is an intimate experience. So, so if we're not being forced to talk about music, we're not talking about it. Like I listen to music every day. I don't tell a soul what I listen to. Well, when you're a teenager, right? When you're a kid, like music is very important as far as a, like a, yeah. a coagulant, like a binding agent. Yep, definitely. Yeah. And you know, it's funny um, when the pandemic happened. Like one of the interesting things that came out of the pandemic, a lot of people predicted unfortunately incorrectly that we were going to see like this renaissance in the creation of art because everyone was trapped inside yeah but it didn't happen but there was some interesting videos like especially from italy did you see this where like the opera singers would just open their window and start singing and they would and they would entertain like the, you know the big huge boisterous baritone and everything and they'd start singing and it was so beautiful right even cool. if you don't like opera and these videos got like hundreds of millions of hits and it'd be shared everywhere and then all of a sudden you started having celebrities, you know, not the celebrities like let's sing, let's sing Imagine by John Lennon, right? Not that embarrassment, but I mean like actual people like like sitting with a guitar and singing for you. Like every day I'm going to sing something, or Anthony Hopkins would like read a read a sonnet or something from Shakespeare every day. Like you had the return a little bit of talent and 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 the appreciation for vocals in a way that you didn't have before because we were trapped. And it was, it's very interesting. And I thought that was um, encouraging that people would seek out talent that was pleasing to them, that they would discover it. And I think a lot of that spilled over. Like I said, the Kate Bush song was one. Um, the Fleetwood Mac song from Stevie Nicks, you know, mm -hmm. Dreams, became a yeah. huge hit because some guy 
with a with a forty ounce on the back of a truck was you know singing to it. Like, yeah. oh, I've never heard this before. I've never heard this. Yeah, it's called music. Like, I'm sorry. What you've been listening to maybe is not as pleasing. But you're right, though. I mean, it's, it's how you consume something. It's, it's how you do it, not necessarily what you consume. And, and before ever, uh, uh, more than ever, we were listening to music from before our time, I think, too. I think we're looking backwards a lot. Yeah. Um, Nostalgia is at an all-time high because of, you know, the growing... Uh, morbidity of our of our culture, I think. But yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I listen to old records and old music. I'm not listening to. I, I can't think of the last time I've well by choice put on a new song. Let me uh, let me let me clarify one thing before we go on. I don't I don't want to give away the wrong impression that new music is terrible, although a lot of it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's depressing when young people listen to music that's older than their parents, like. And it's not that it's not that the music can't be good, right? But it's that age old thing was like, what is your generation? What is the sound of your generation? And you know, people don't realize this, but like oldie stations, oldies mean the fifties. You know, they mean the sixties. Yep. Like by that definition, the eighties music should be the oldies now. But the eighties music is not called oldies; it's called eighties. Yeah. Like, yeah. It has its own name. Um, I have no idea what's going to happen in 20 years when the oldies are like the 2000s, like grunge. Well, yeah, well, yeah, in, like new metal. In LA here, we have K Earth 101, which when I moved down here 15 years ago, it was oldies. They'd play 60s music, play like the Ronettes. They'd play like um, you know uh, the Beatles. Um, and now they play. Now it's 80s, 90s, and 2000s is what it is. Well, K Earth 101, and well, it's there's no there's no oldies station anymore. That's kind of like UHF a little bit. Like we talked about UHF, but I think maybe if you listen to the radio, that's kind of what it was. Like you could have these individual stations that are not network affiliated. You can have a station that only plays oldies or only plays classic FM. Yeah, or, satellite radio yeah. type of stuff, right? Yeah. But then I hear things like, oh, we won't play Bruce Springsteen past 1980, you know, 1979, or. We won't play Madonna because she's too old. You know, you have this stuff where music starts having borders again. Yeah. And I, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it so much. Well, there's this, there's that great scene in, in Step Brothers where Horatio Sands is in an 80s Billy Joel cover group where he just plays 80s Joel. And someone says, hey, play Piano Man. He said, we're just 80s Joel. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, God. But then again, Billy Joel's pop music didn't survive like 1989, I think. What was yeah. his last album like? What, what was River uh, of yeah. Dreams? Was it? I don't. I, I I'm not a big eighty. I don't like his older stuff as as later stuff as much as his older stuff. Well, he had one big hit before he retired from pop music. Uh, although, oh. no, no, no. Uh, it was that song uh, River of the Night. I think what was it called? Oh, in the, yeah. What was it? It was. It was basically the Lion King before the. Like, yeah. I, I think he was. I think Disney yeah, probably. Is, yeah, like River of Dreams. Is that it? But man, Billy Joel back in the late seventies and early eighties was awesome. Like I'll just yeah, say, I'm a big Billy Joel fan, and he's going on tour with uh, Stevie Nicks. I think. Go figure. Wow. Yeah, go figure. Yeah, I like his. I like his his like first couple albums. But, um, but going back to Al though, like Al will, yeah. Al started off doing baloney parodies, and then he's doing rap parodies, and now he's doing Pharrell parodies, and now he's doing Star Wars original songs. And now he's doing his own stuff. He just he's he updates like we talked about. He's 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 tofu. He mimics, but he. He doesn't rely on the mimicry. It's too clever for that. It's too. Yeah. It's too clever. 
And he hasn't had an album in eight years here. I just, I just realized yeah. that Mandatory Fun was in 2014. Holy mackerel. I, I didn't realize it was that old. I told, uh, I was talking to a friend and my friend got confused. Like, oh no, he just had an album like last year. No, no, dude, that was like eight years ago. It's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're that old now where you, eight years ago was yesterday. And because I don't know how you say it. Like you get to be a certain point, right? If you're younger than 30, then this is not going to mean anything to you, but like, when you're old enough to remember when 2000 was the future instead of being 22 years in the past. Like, yeah. Y2K, you were afraid of that? Oh, yeah, we were scared because we were stupid. We didn't understand. No, some of us were dumb. But um, Dare to be stupid. Dare to be stupid, man. Uh, dare to be stupid. You have to be a little stumb. Like, you know, my favorite performance from Robin Williams, RIP. I mean, how many RIPs are on this podcast? Um one of his greatest performances in the 80s when he did like Williams on Broadway and mm-hmm. he, are you a fan of Robin Williams at all uh yeah no, I I didn't it was a little before my time I obviously know his 90s well, stuff but um I only bring yeah. him up for two reasons one I would say um Robin Williams may be the only other celebrity before he died that had the same type of affection with his fans that Weird Al does Robin Williams was beloved like, his mm-hmm. fans loved him. You know this. You know what I'm talking about. Maybe mm-hmm. they didn't always go to his movies. Maybe they didn't always laugh at all his jokes. But but the the love, like, the earnestness was there. Like, we're waiting for him to come back. And when he did, he, he was good. But he had this great bro- uh, show on Broadway. And he's, you know, he's clearly coked out of his mind, right? Yeah. But uh, clearly. <laughs> and he gives a speech about being crazy. He gives a speech about being crazy. And he talks about how everyone's born with a little bit of crazy, and the trick is not to lose it. And I think what Weird Al was able to do better, maybe because he wasn't on psychopharmaceuticals, but he was able to take that weirdness, right? And he was able to take that craziness and channel it more positively. And I think he was able to control it like a slow drip. It didn't consume him. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's never been involved in scandal, who's never been involved in drugs, who's never been involved in alcohol, who's never been involved with anything, nothing. When the... They just said they're going to release the Epstein logs or whatever. He's not going to be on that log. Yeah, <laughs> so he's he's and and that's what makes <clears throat> that's the ju- the the juxtaposition is in this movie is that he did all that stuff and with some you know some other stuff thrown in and I think that's what makes it so fun is it it's, it's like how do you make a uh, interesting biopic about someone who's clean. You lie. Well, you can't. You got to make him dirty. You got to lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because because you have to exaggerate. Um, yeah. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> it is. It, it's, it's it's like commentary for like our media and our news outlets. It's so awesome that and that part of this movie, I I will always have high. Um, I will always regard it highly because of just this. What it's doing is so interesting. Um, structurally, you know, some issues. But I think it, it's well, genius more than it's not genius. I'll say this. The tagline for the movie is the true story of the man who changed music, literally. Like, I thought that was funny. <laughs> that was good. I don't think I saw that. <laughs> but, um, but you know, it's funny, though. But you think about it, though. Um, you think about, like, the structure of what it's doing with the biopic and how it's playing with it. And you realize something. You, you don't even think about it. But, like, a movie, all it has to do is say based on a true story. And that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, like anything could be based on a true story. Like I'm going to make a movie called the Ethan Brem story, and it's going to be based on your life. But in my version, you're going to join NASA and go to Mars. <laughs> but it's based on you. Doesn't mean uh-huh. it is you. It's just based on you. So they they abuse this a lot. They use this based on you stuff crap, 
and it has, takes a chainsaw massacre, right? Yeah, based on a true story. No, 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 it's not. It's really not. But you think that though, because you trust it. And what I love about this is that you have an actor who looks and sounds nothing like the main actor. You have a story that's that's ninety percent BS, but the spirit of Al is in every single moment. I think that's what's important. Like you have the spirit of the actor, and you you understand this is the only way it would be. Like. A couple years ago, there was a news story in the news where Al's parents par- passed away. They oh, died yeah. of, remember they died of carbon monoxide poisoning, mm-hmm. I think it was, or something? Really and it, sad, yeah. And it was really sad. And he went off and played his concert the next day. Like, he yeah. channeled his pain through music. And I guarantee you, people felt bad for him and everything. They, they commiserated. But, you know, unlike the way they're portrayed in the movie <laughs> at the beginning. Real quick, before we, before we close out, um, what's your favorite part? of weird the alien gimmick story or favorite parts oh the pool the pool party of is course definitely my favorite my favorite scene um i love the stuff when he's younger though too because i think um there's like or the, like the stuff when he's in college even up until that point like when he's still making it because there's still like this at that point there's still this pretense that this is a biopic like it's based on a true story <laughs> also it's it, it can i can i stay yeah note that daniel radcliffe could have easily just used his normal accent. He still chose to hide his British accent and speak like an American, like Weird Al, even though nothing else in this movie is accurate. Um, just, just an aside. But um, yeah, definitely the pool party scene, um, the stuff with the college with the guys. I think those guys, I, I didn't really It's very fun. Them. It's a lot. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, they're all really, really fun actors. It reminded me of like the Goldbergs uh, a little bit. But uh, yeah, that's probably, oh, what about you? Well, I told you, uh, I think the, the party scene is great. I love the punk rock scene. I, I just laughed my butt off. Um, I just the audacity of having Dr. Demento in a punk rock band. I mean, punk rock club. And Patton Oswalt's in there, too, by the way, as a heckler. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of fun scenes. There's just so much. There's, there's so much fun that they, they had at the expense of bad movies that I think had they even had they tried to make a more straightforward one i don't think it would have been as good like you, all you have to do is watch the videos and you have the weird owl you know watch his videos and you have the weird owl story yeah and, and people and the fans know the lore at this point they know the bathroom thing they know the accordion thing they know i remember when i was a kid he told this story he told the story that was couldn't have been true how he <laughs> once sold his parents house when they were away on vacation for a lifetime supply of wax lips. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard this. It, there's heard, no way it's true. I've heard so many different things. Like, but but it, but it's like that. Like he doesn't care. The, the truth. Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. And uh, and yeah. It, it, at one point, this is a side eye view at actual biopics who stretch the truth shamelessly. But at the at the other end, it's like just have fun with the with the movie. It's a movie. Well, like there's a scene when he records the My Bologna, right? And he and he goes yeah. back and he visits the the producers played by Weird Al. And it's this scene is amazing. He just bashes the door open and he throws him the cassette. He's like, play it. And the look on Weird Al, the real Weird Al's face is like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like he looks at it and it's like, okay, it's just, this is happening now. And it's like, this is the future. This is great. Like you're so on board. Yeah. Like the movie, it drops the needle exactly when it needs to. And it, it changes when it needs to. It moves on. If you think about it, it's interstitial. It's like the skits in UHF. Okay, this tone mm-hmm. is different. This tone is different. This tone is different. Um, and that's why I think the Madonna part stands out as a, a little bit because it doesn't yeah. change the tone. But but overall, overall, the heart, its heart is in the right place. 
it does exactly what it needs to do, and I think it it gives not just Weird Al fans, but I think it gives comedy fans a fresher breath there because it's it's been a really bad decade for comedy. We haven't had a lot in the, in a good comedy, like a movie that you reviewed, by the way, the new Fletch movie. Can I can I compare it real mm-hmm. quick? So what, what was it called? Confess Fletch. Um, Confess Fletch. It's fun. It's a fun movie. It's certainly better than the second Fletch movie, right? But, you know, the second one, we don't talk about that crap. But you look at it, it's too clean. I like the movie too, but it's too clean. It's too produced. It's too stylized. You kind of miss the Chevy Chase nonsense of it. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. I think you mentioned this to yeah, you. Like, rascal. There's no, he's not a rascal. He's a very, yeah. he's almost like a, uh, like a James Bond kind of, like, He's he's too smooth. Uh, Chevy Chase was awesome. I mean, yeah, John yeah. Hamm's great too, but he's playing John Hamm. Yeah, exactly. Like, like yeah. I, who was the guy they wanted? Originally, it was going to be your guy from um, all the uh, VSQ movies. What's his name? Jason um, from Clerks. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, What's Jason his name? Lee. Jason Lee. Yeah, yeah. Jason Lee. I think would have been. He's, he's the only guy I could imagine doing it. Um, I think. And you know, just based literally, if he was just doing like the Mallrats, Jason Lee. Um, who's basically just like a low, like a poor man's uh, Fletch. And by the way, I don't hate. I love John Hamm as an actor. I think he's great. Um, but I think, yeah. the, but I think you. The two things I think you can't do in comedy. You can't do. You can't do polished production values, and I don't think you can do CG. And I think every time you try to introduce CG humor, it ruins it. I think if it's a movie's too polished, like compare like Coming to America, the first one with the second one. It's just, it's too clean. It's too sterilized. It's too post-production. I need dirtiness. I need the filth. I need the scratches. I need the imperfections. I need the looseness. I need, you know, like music, like like to bring it back home. Like, I think you need that spontaneity of it. And I think um, like a movie like UHF for all its flaws is going to be a lot more rewatchable than the, the new Fletch movie. And that's not an insult to the new Fletch. It is, it's a product. And and I was kind of bummed too because the new Fletch was one of the few R-rated comedies we've gotten in the last like didn't eight need years. to be did not need to be though it did it didn't need to be no. but it, at the same time it like wasted it it's like yeah yeah I mean I mean that's like a thing and people who watch a lot of movies they you'll notice that there's not a lot of R-rated comedies anymore um, for a lot of reasons and uh, because you know you can't play it safe uh, in a comedy. If, I mean, if you're making a rated R movie, you you can't play it safe. Um, well, like, um, but Confess Flesh does play it safe, and it doesn't work. It plays it safe, and it it waste, like you said, it wastes the f bombs on a bad joke. And I'll say this: we talked about pop star. The only the only movie I would compare the Weird Al thing to the only thing you said uh, the Dewey Cox story, or whatever. Yeah. That's a fun movie too. But I was going to say pop star never stop never stopping or whatever. Like there's yeah, a I, like I like that movie a lot. Have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's and the songs are actually pretty good. Um, yeah. But you know what's the what's the main song? They have the song like she she bleeped me like she bleeped, like the U.S. government bleeped yeah. Bin Laden. <laughs> Wasn't it like people wanted it to get nominated for an Oscars? Yeah, or? but I mean like the movie's really smart and clever, and it's it does a lot of this. It does a lot of what I think UHF does right. But the one thing I think we're talking about, and this is my last thought, is there's a sincerity to what Weird Al's doing. There's a sincerity. Mm-hmm. Not every Joe Glands, but you know he wants you to have a good time. He doesn't want you to feel bad. He wants you to enjoy yourself. Oh, come on, like your friends. Your friends aren't perfect, but you like hanging out with them. Here, let's sing about baloney. You know, let's 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 have a little fun with it. You know, I I, I just read that they're going to reboot the Naked Gun movies, right? And oh my for, goodness! And for years, for years, I I would ask ask our producer Chris Mitchell. He will tell you that I'm not lying. 
I was like, the only person who could do the Leslie Nielsen role, right, would be like someone like Liam Neeson, someone who's so serious that they that it's funny. <laughs> and guess what? <laughs> guess who's in the lead? It's gonna be. Oh really? Yeah, gonna be Liam Neeson from what I hear. No way! Oh, that's yeah. awesome. You know, but um, yeah, I can't even. Those movies are Leslie Nielsen. I can't even imagine I, anyone. I will say this though: it. Weird Al. You remember that great scene and when. Drebin's getting off the the plane. Everybody's cheering. He's like, "Oh, they're not here for you." Yeah. Weird Al's on the plane, and yeah. Then he did the theme song to Spy Hard for Leslie Nielsen. Remember that? It's yeah, uh, cool. I don't. Did you ever see Spy that's... Hard? Nobody saw that movie. I have not seen Spy Hard. Um, Weird Al was Weird Al also in a Cheech and Chong movie, or am I inflating um, that? Weird Al is in a lot of stuff. In fact, he's in a lot of stuff this year. Like, uh, did you know he has another new movie out right now? Right now. Yeah, um, it's called. No. Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's called The Soccer Football Movie. Oh, my goodness. Starring Weird Al as himself in a animated movie. Is this movie. a real movie or is it like a short? Oh, oh it's, it's animated? It's on, it, yeah. And it's got a, oh. what's that soccer woman's name? Uh, Megan Rapinoe or whatever. She's in it. Yeah, Weird oh, okay. Al plays himself in an animated movie. Um, he also did the theme song for that show, um, Milo Murphy's Law, where he actually played Milo's Murphy. Theme song's pretty clever, by the way. It's from the Phineas and Verb guys. So okay, yeah. he's in so much stuff. He's in so much stuff. He's spread out, but he's he's there. He's sprinkled throughout because everyone loves him. They just don't know what to do with him. I mean, how yeah, he's fantastic. How often do you yeah, need I, a, I want to make accordions? another album. Yeah, I I, I want to see what he does with like the modern music. Honestly, I think um, he said though he may not make another album because a lot of artists are doing this where they're just releasing singles now. Yeah, but I mean, who knows? But. I'll say this, uh, the world is a better place with Weird Al in it. Uh, the, my world has certainly been a lot better with Weird Al in it, and I hope that Weird Al is going to be around forever, but I know it's not true, but maybe maybe we can cryogenically freeze him. I mean, he, he lost the mustache. He lost the mustache, and he, he got his curls grew out, and he somehow looked younger. So He lost that, the glasses, too. Yeah, lost the glasses. I think he said he got LASIK. But, um, oh, okay. Makes sense. But I got to tell you though, the the world is better with Weird Al in it. Your your world will be better with Weird Al in it. And if you don't like UHF, watch something else. You're gonna find something you like. You will. You there's just too much. There's too much. You'll find something. Uh, any final thoughts before we start heading out? I don't think so. I think this was a uh, fun conversation. I'm, I the good tangents. Um, I think you have to. And uh, yeah, you have. I mean, that's what Weird Al is. He's all over the place. So. <laughs> He's all over the place. Literally. In the best way. In the best way. And I think uh, I think the saga concludes. And I think everyone, thank you for listening to this extra special, weird and wacky version of the Movie Time podcast. We've been talking Weird Al. Once again, I want to thank my special co-host, Mr. Ethan Brown. Ethan, thank you so much. Thank you. And with that, everybody, everybody, dream big, dream hard, and dare to be stupid. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Pop Zara podcast. Remember to like, follow, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app or service.